everyone, and welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Travis. I'm Matt. Hi. We are all here, and we're doing it. We're doing it. This is, uh, what, a few days before Thanksgiving? Yes. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is Thursday. Today is Sunday. Pretty exciting stuff. What are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? I'm going to leave. Where we <laughs> I'm are. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm leaving this whole fucking city. Fuck this. Just blow this pop stand. <laughs> For Thanksgiving, I'm fucking out of here. I I've had enough to hear. Thinking about the founding fathers or the pilgrims or whoever made me realize, fuck this place. Uh, no, I'm uh, after I'm leaving this recording, and we're gonna go buy a turkey. We're gonna buy a big ass turkey. Oh yeah, are you gonna cook that turkey yourself? I'm gonna cook the whole the whole McGillicuddy. Have you at your place? At uh, Christie's place. Have you cooked a turkey before? I did this last year. Oh yeah. I'd give myself that. a nine out of ten last year. There's and you're room, gonna you're aiming for, for a ten out of ten this year. I know what I did wrong. I know how to fix the what you do the wrong? mistakes. I made a I the turkey up was <laughs> alive when you put it into the oven. <laughs> you, you forgot could, to like, take the, the, the feathers. The feathers off. are like honestly, you got to cut around the feathers. You got to cut around and the on, feathers. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and it, it, the people, the you know, people who come don't enjoy it seeing. No, 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 no. You no. can still hear the turkey kind of rattling around in the oven. <laughs> like it takes a long time to kill it. Pounding on the door. Is that God? Gobbling, like give it a little, give it a, give it seven hours. Come on, no, it's been half like it's in there. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> it's turkey time. Gobble, gobble. Oh God. Uh, uh, can we do Geely? Geely, like it's, really? It's got thrill- it's I've got never seen Geely. I mean, I'd be down to do it. I'd be, I'd Maybe be down we, to do it. We, we, we might be f- figure out. Have a we done an Affleck episode before? Uh huh. You we were did. on it. We did. Yes. Was that that was an Affleck episode yeah. then? Huh? Fatal Afflection. Fatal oh, Afflection. Oh yeah, we can do another one maybe. I don't know. I think that we, I honestly think uh, that we I don't could. Know. <laughs> He's made a lot of this kind of stuff. What are you doing for Thanksgiving, Matt? I am going to Lauren's house, and it's going to be me and her, her and her brother and her mom and dad and our three dogs. Oh. Wow. Love a dog Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's going to be Lily, Walter, and I believe her brother's dog's name is Rocky. Rocky. Rocky is apparently quite quite the whirlwind he's quite very he's very high strong he's a lot yeah he's a lot mm. Mm. I'm, I'm going to my family's just house just like you buddy and i'm making a green bean casserole like i do every year and it's good the green bean casserole thing is a thing i didn't hear about until i was out of until i was well into my 20s really i've yeah. never had one that is like really like well, america's yeah. favorite thanksgiving side dish and i was like yeah i know what this is and it's it's green beans with the uh, fucking un- dried onions and i was like what what <laughs> what, what else is there this it's um cream of chicken i don't use that oh what how do you, you do what it? do you use uh Jesus. if i told you guys i'd have to kill, kill you, you. Damn. no um i the casserole is I make us. my own gravy instead of using cream of mushroom soup. Mm. I make my own gravy with, uh, I have bacon in there too. So like some of the bacon drippings and making the gravy there. And then I put a bunch of cheese in it and green beans, fresh green beans. Ooh la la. And of course up. the fried onions. You have to use it. It's basically just like gravy, beans, cheese, and onions. And it's very, is very good. Is that your favorite Thanksgiving side? No. I so I initially uh, <laughs> took it over not. because I never liked green bean casserole. That was really gross. So I was like, I gotta figure out a way it's, to make it better. It sounds gross. And I mean, cheese, beans, and crunch, crunchy onions better. and bacon. That sounds it's amazing. And but my favorite is probably stuffing. 
That's my favorite. Like, yeah. like literally in the red, like stovetop red oh, that box stuff. stuff. Are we all it's in so accordance on this good. one? That's my favorite too. And of course, I mean mashed potatoes. I mean, do you? Do, are, I like all like, of it, but the stuffing's my favorite. Are you like me, where you don't need to wait till Thanksgiving to make the stovetop stuffing? You just you oh, me and Nickel makes me and Nickel make stovetop stuffing. If I'm feeling like a real sack of shit, I will absolutely buy a box of stovetop stuffing. I feel like a sack of shit every day, so I. So yeah, year round I eat this the stuffing. At my at my age, you only get so many of those because that stuff is that's it's like a stick of butter and salt. It's just like salt, bread, and butter. It's very uh, good. Amazing that it tastes so good. Can you imagine? Also, like the rolls. Yeah. I like. All, I love Thanksgiving food. Um, do you guys like pumpkin pie? No, nope. I don't care for pie pretty much at all. What's your favorite Thanksgiving? What's your ideal Thanksgiving spread, Matt? Because I know you can't eat a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, I like. Uh, I like. The same things most people like about Thanksgiving. You know, eels. The, the, yeah, eels. Like the pilgrims originally ate. The eels. Uh, <laughs> Definitely <laughs> the fried eels. Bacon, like you might find in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, you know, turkey or ham or, or beef of any kind, like a roast is good. All oh, roast. Oh, all, the, all, of your, all of your meats. Are you um, going to make something for the dinner? I don't know that I will be able to because mm. I don't think I'll have time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that once we get there, Lauren and I Bring are going booze. to help cook. Her family doesn't drink. Oh, so, oh, well, <laughs> are they going to care if you do? Evidently not. I asked. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's not like a none. We we will not be. It's drinking not a dry thing. Thanksgiving. No, I don't think like I'd be down for that. Um, and then you know, like you know, green beans, broccoli, all the vegetables I like. You know, uh, and but I, I don't really care for. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't You're like desserts. You're not a desserts. big dessert person. Yeah. yeah. My dessert. My idea of dessert is more whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. I don't. I I do have a sweet tooth, but I don't. I'm like I share the. I do not like pies. I think like at like you have to you have to absolutely knock it out of the fucking park for a pie to be good Damn. for me. Like an average pie, I will be like nah. Well, I'll, you guys, pass. you heard it here. If you want to really impress Travis, send us all your pies. But, but, but the best ones. Don't. Travis wants to sample all your pies. They won't be good. I you mean, hear I, that, you guys? It's a fucking challenge now. I can count he's, on he's, one hand the good you. pies that I've had in my life. And I've had a lot of pie. I'm he's a big raising fat one guy. hand right now. You can't tell. But. I, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm you won't fully give committed up. to this. You won't give up on them. You keep trying just to see. Uh, sometimes that people really pressure you into eating their pie. People, like get, people are really proud of their it. Come on, taste it. And, and you taste go, it. and you go like, "Oh no, thank you." And they think that you're going like, "Oh, I shouldn't because of desserts." And but I'm going like, "No, I shouldn't because I don't want to." Well, you don't want to eat this I pie? What do you? What do you want? Fucking health freak? Go fuck yourself. Health <laughs> freak? Go Just fuck don't yourself. Don't like pie. I'm That's like, fine. no, no, I couldn't possibly because I don't I mean, like it. I'm not a big cake person. So unless yeah, it's yeah, like I eat cake any cake. Either. No yeah. way. Cake's I'm not going to go to the grocery it. store and get a big sheet cake and eat all of it before I oh God. Uh, before I go to the, oh, the store and get a turkey. Damn it, Travis, you just eat it with my cake, you <laughs> cocksucker. We'll get into that. That's also. a little preview I'll try of things like a to come. Cheesecake or like a some sort of brownie type cake, but just you know normal what kind of cake, cake is I like, like yucky. Ice cream cake. cake. I love God, carrot cake. No. No. Yeah, there's something about that flavor that does it for me. Or Ooh. like angel food cake, the really light and fluffy with some strawberries. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like well, we were we were, we were in a, definitely in accordance on uh, on stuffing, and then it all spiraled out of control after that. But you know, it's, I I'm glad we found big, something. You know, big like bowl to she got a stuffing cake. Stuffing. God, we'd just be like just just, just like grabbing Winnie handfuls the of stuffing. the stuffing into your mouth while while we talk about these next three movies. Yes, uh, a yeah, real real festive collection of movies for for this season. I guess this isn't this coming is out thanks, of Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving these, episode. These will not be three turkeys. <laughs> well. No, they're, they're, they're fine. I liked all three of these. I think technically one of these movies is very good. Uh, I liked all of them. One, there's one There's one that I don't think is 
very good that I liked the most. Yeah, I would agree with you that it's that it's not great, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, it's uh, Lumet Gala. Lumet Gala. And we're all dressed to the nines right now. Oh yes. God, I know I am. Our outfits are Just crazy. Kidding. We're all wearing black shirts and black pants. Yeah. It's we're autumn. Like, we're like goth bat cave party. <laughs> uh, so we're doing 1986's The Morning After. Three, oh. three films by Sidney Lumet, by the way. The yeah, 1986's Lumet. The Morning After with Jane Fonda. Uh, 1990's Q&A with Timothy Hunt and Nick Nolte. And 1996's Night Falls on Manhattan. Yes. With our man Andy y- Garcia. Yeah, Muchas Garcias. Mm. Muchas Garcias. Our man Andy Garcia. Great. What a... Okay. Ian well, Holm we'll plays Andy Garcia's father. Interesting He's choices. Great. They're oh. both they're both very good in it, but I mean, uh, what? I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I do. They, their accents are so wildly divergent. Yeah. You're like, so he was raised in a different household than this. I guy? don't know. I thought they were fine as father and son. Well, we'll talk. About, I mean, we're, we have a lot to talk about in the first one. Before we get started on this whole thing, I do want to give a trigger warning. Yes. A sincere trigger warning, because two of these movies. Uh, deal or, or deal heavily with racism, racial in, invective in ri- in wildly different ways. Yes, and uh, there's a decent chance. I mean, we're going to try to avoid <laughs> saying obviously the big we ones, are not going to be saying. But much I of think this some stuff. of the specificity of the language is important. So there, there might be I might be saying you know Travis is going to get himself mentioning canceled. some. <laughs> some stuff. Yeah, the boys are getting canceled, so I'm going to run the <laughs> podcast next next episode. It's just you and Lily. It's just going to be me and the dog. It's very unique the the manner that the the racism expresses I mean, I, itself I, into. I, these I will movies. say that that, that in, in both of the cases it's it's hard to listen to because there's so much of it. My so God, much. my God, it's very funny to me in spots. Like it's almost comical that there's so much of it, especially in Q and A. Like every other word in Q and A is something. They horrible. try to be very creative with their with their slurs <laughs> too, which are ridiculous. <laughs> and, <laughs> This is why I was Nick Nolte just like snarling some of Nick these Nolte things. Nick Nolte is a straight up like vi- hyper super villain. villain in that movie. I, think, yeah. I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, it's incredibly appropriate in Q and A the language that they use in that, and then in, and then in the morning after it's insane. Yeah, uh, and I was watching the morning after. And then at the time, I was going like, I can't believe all the racial slurs coming out of this. And then Matt sent a text that was like, Q&A full of racial slurs. And I was like, what? What, what is with this episode? What's with Sidney Lumet at this time? What the fuck is going on? The Met Gala plagued, plagued with just litanies of snarled racial invective. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get to the questionable one with the first movie. Morning uh, After, Jane Fonda, 1986, Jane Fonda plays a kind of a washed up, Actress. She went home with a stranger. She woke up to a murder. What did I do? Why don't I remember any of this? Now, the only ones who can help her are the last people she should trust. Who's want to set me up? You killed that man! Jane Fonda, Jeff Bridges, the morning after. Can be murder. She's a drunk. And she's a drunk. And a pill popper. Uh, <laughs> but she's. Gorgeous. <laughs> but she looks so good. That's a Bob, yeah, that's a Bob Mackie she's passed out and puked all over. <laughs> they actually do a really great job making Jane Fonda look like shit uh, they for, do. for a lot like, of this movie, which just can't be easy. Yeah. She's kind of still got this glamorous. She, it, she yeah. is definitely. She looks the exact right amount of the washed-up actress who is starting to see her age. She's starting to feel not wanted, 
and therefore turning to uh, alcohol and pills. She definitely has incredible Fix Mommy and other Drink Honey vibes. Oh, yeah, and she loves to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> simply loves to fuck. Well, who doesn't? She's, she's DTF. Can I uh, can I tell like a brief little story to just sort of set the table for how for why I found this movie so delightful? I love your brief it. stories, so please. Uh, <laughs> I told Emily a pretty good brief story. I can't get into it now, though. Ah. Uh, but yes, so when I was a kid, you know, I, I remember all of these. My, Is this my, a sad story? No, no, it's very. Damn well, it. it's 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 neither here nor there. <laughs> You want a sad? Story. You well, can consider it sad. If I you guess. Want. I guess I wanted. I want. I want. Is this a traumatic event? No. All my childhood Shit. is tinged with sadness, though. If you want to let that kind of like the holidays seep that Matt into wants it. to fucking feel. I'll allow it. I look. I'm, just, I'm over here cutting myself to feel anything. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Uh, let me cut you for you. Oh, well, baby. Uh, don't threaten me with a good time, you pervert. Help. I'll handle that. Help me. Um, God so, damn it, Travis just fucking cut me. <laughs> just cut me up. Just cut me right I need to fucking feel something. He actually, well, we'll get to him. He's he's quite a tormented guy. Yeah. Um, so, when I was like, I remember all of these, like my parents going to movies, because I was obsessed with movies from pretty much the get-go. And so, like, when me, when I was a little kid, my parents would go to see movies. And I just remember, <laughs> I just have so many memories of them going, like, we're going to a movie. And then they Bye. say the movie title, and I remember that. That's a memory that I have, have held on to. But it, one, they were they were going to see the morning after. I would, it was in theaters. I must have been eight years old, and they were like, "We're gonna go see a movie." And I was like, "Can I come with you?" And they're like, "No, this is an adult. This is a this movie is a mommy for, and daddy for grown ups." And I was like, "What's the what's it called?" And they were like, "The morning after." And I was like, "Snore. All right, fine. <laughs> Fuck that. Boro. It Snore Boro. And I always associated it with just like this boring movie for adults that might not not fun adult, you know, because it was like sometimes I knew it when I was eight. Sometimes adult movie means like sex and violence oh, no. and all like adult the fun movies stuff. either mean really fucking boring or, or it the means most awesome thing. Maybe you'll see some boobs and explosions. Maybe you'll yeah. see some fucking fucking boobs. And I just immediately like categorized it. And then the, if you see the poster of it too, it's just like. Pictures of Jeff Bridges' face and Jane Fonda's face just sort of like looking sad, Glowering looking right at the camera, and you're like, that looks like some adult bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then this movie this movie begins with an eye on L.A. graphic yeah. when a guy going, this is the first thing you hear in the whole fucking movie. Photography, modeling, and pumping iron. Are they combining into a new kind of soft porn? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> this, this isn't, really some, is this isn't some adult shit. This is, yeah. the movie's ridiculous, actually. It kind of is, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so she wakes up one morning. Pretty simple premise. And there's a, de- there's a dead guy. <laughs> well, okay, so let's actually roll back for a second. So it does start with that eye on L.A. thing and about, like, is, you know, is this sort of a rope, like, like aerobics, sex, softcore fad. Is this a thing? Like mu- it looks very, just like, like the graphic muscular. for for yeah. Ion Springfield. For Ion Springfield with Kent Brockman. Yeah, but uh, but then and they interview this guy named Bobby Korshak, who's like the photographer who is sort of pioneering this style and sort mm-hmm. of the most well known for it. And they Korshak sit on it. Yeah. They imply that he's like, you know, also a pornographer and a failed actor. They call him the king of porn. The king of porn. Yeah. Because he shoots pictures of buff ladies in bikinis. I think it's I implied think that he also stuff. makes that he also makes like porn. Yeah, movies. but we don't see any of it. Uh anyway, Boo. so then then uh then Jane Fonda wakes up and <laughs> Bobby Korshak's dead next to him in next to her in bed and he's literally got a knife just sticking right out of his chest like Oh my straight god, up. this is so funny. When she wakes she's up, she's like, "Hey, what's she the has, joke here?" She has a Perfect reaction. She's literally just like, what the f-? Like, she's, like, actually terrified. And then she doesn't know where she is. She's looking everywhere. There's blood. There's a guy sitting. He's laying on his back with a knife sticked out. And, and she's like, 
is this some sort of joke? And she goes to touch the knife like it's a fake knife. Yeah. And it like moves really like rigidly. And it like, it's like gross. It's like a gross, like when you're like, oh fuck, no, that's real. Like, yeah. like that's, all her reaction that. is like actually like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? And she's in this house that she's never been in. Because as we come to find out, she's been in movies. She knows what fakery feels like mm-hmm. and stuff like that. She's a she's a washed up uh, actress from like trashy B movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Even even at like I think the peak, she was still kind of like a, a B movie starlet sort of thing. She never had like a real. They don't really investigate her career very much. Yeah. Her name is uh, she's Vivica Van Lauren. That's her. That's, that's her, her stage name. stage name, of course. And her, her real name is Alexandra or Alex. Yeah, yeah, Vivica Van Lauren. Uh, but this is this is great. I mean, this is a hell of a way to start a movie, right? Oh here yeah, with this the, is good uh, stuff. Soft porn buff ladies moving into dead body, and then Jane Fonda. We we could just we quickly pick up without having this is like well done, where it's like, oh yeah, this lady's this lady's gonzo alcoholic. Yeah, like she's immediately fixing herself a drink. She's like. Pretty alarmed to have a dead guy with a knife in him by the bed, but and she's but she's going like, ah, right, you must have pissed me off somehow, right? Yeah, she barfs <laughs> what in the did toilet. You do? <laughs> then she calls uh, Raul Julia. Yes, who I for a second I was like, is this her agent? But no, it's her husband. We find that out gradually as well. They're separated, but not divorced, and he's a hairdresser, Jackie, Jackie, or Joaquin, or that not? Yeah, also not his real name. Yeah. Um, and there, and and he he owns a hair salon. This is an immediate dead giveaway, unfortunately, to what what the um, you know it, it's yeah. I mean, law of economy of characters, you know who did it. But but also his you guys, reaction. I was tricked again, and I didn't know who did it. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, the re- the, I'm honestly disappointed when you when you're not tricked. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that this is one that's a real tricky one, just because like. It's 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 not that you fell for it. It's that there's no like there's no motive for much of the movie, and then yeah. sort of they sort of drop the motive at the last second. You're like, that's why. Yes, uh, I guess we've already spoiled that Jackie's involved with this with this death. Um, but it's, but, there, but their there's first no... conversation is really funny where he's like, "What did you fucking do last night?" And she's like, "I don't know." She's like, "You tell me what I fucking and did then, last and, night." And he's like, "Well, you met that lady, and I thought that this was be going to be good for your career, but then you pissed her off really bad. So, yeah. you, you called her a dyke, yeah, a greasy diesel dyke Jesus. to be exact." <laughs> <laughs> What's f- and then she laughs and then she's like, "Ha, this is this is welcome to the movie, everybody. This yeah. is this is what it's like." What, what's doubly funny is she 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 laughs and then and then Raul Julia is like, "I mean, she is, but you didn't have to say so." Yeah, uh, gross. And then, but this uh, movie's all over the map about this sort of stuff too. But, like, it's fascinating. And then he's like, "I woke up with a dead guy," and he's like, "LOL, you know, you he and go- your." He goes, "He had a heart attack," and she goes, "Yeah, from a knife in his chest." <laughs> so she she tells everybody, like, she shares everything with this guy. So you're immediately like, "This is an incredibly intimate relationship with this right with this woman." And but he's like, "Go to the cops." I think it's vic- well, like this is where I was just like, he did it or is involved somehow because, and it's just like right there on the surface. This is we're like five minutes into the movie, and he's driving in his car and he picks up and as we come to find out his wife not even ex-wife his current wife but you know it's it's a right. thing it's an arrangement or whatever and he's like how are you you got shisha got drunk last night she's like i there's a dead man in a bed next to me and he's like oh okay well you better he's like not perturbed by it at all <laughs> well i think he thinks she's joking initially well we're supposed to think I that he thinks he's joking because he obviously could. he knows exactly well, what's yeah, going on well yeah because he goes he goes i don't need to hear about your sex life yeah. or whatever like he's he was <laughs> dead he was very... dead in the sack the guy's a tr- i mean raul julia is a tremendous actor but this guy's really good too <laughs> Jackie. Yeah. 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 
Jackie rules. I mean, it's Raul Julia. The dude is 100. Also, this uh, does take place Thanksgiving week or yes. Thanksgiving. It takes place on, th- or on Thanksgiving. At least the morning after is Thanksgiving. Mm hmm. Because she's uh, well, what she's she, she, this is like a classic like old old time stuff where she needs money so she has to go to a bank. Well, what, that's the only there's, option. There's a really fun scene where she, first of all she he, Jackie says go to the cops and she's like absolutely not they're gonna think I did it. Mm-hmm. So then she starts to like, I would have gone to the cops. I would have gone to the cops too. Uh, then she starts to clean up. But a cap. Uh, but she thinks she might have done it. She thinks she might have done it. Yeah, because she's blacked out before. She is, and, she, and there is something <laughs> she has in her past. Stabbed somebody where, before. Exactly. Right. They they uh. tell us that she has a history with uh, with a paring knife mm-hmm. stabbing some guy. I just think that the only reason the thing that that's holding her back from going like I I probably did do this is that she straight up doesn't know this guy at yeah. all. I think that doesn't the, recognize him. Doesn't know. She him. only recognizes him from the, the commercial TV that played at the beginning. Yeah. I also think that it's 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 not the movie's fault. There's nothing it can do about this. But like, you know, you know that she didn't do it just because you know, because sure. she's alone with these reactions, and we're seeing her react. Yeah, would you be know. A, would be a weird movie if like, at the end it's like you did do it, and it's like the end. You're like, huh? Yeah, okay. I mean, and and you know, they they do a good job of keeping you in her headspace. Like she's confused, and she thinks she might have done it. But as a viewer, you're just kind of sitting there going, like, well, obviously this isn't how it's going to go. And of course. Jane Fonda being fucking great. Yeah, she's very good. Has a lot to do with the, the whole appeal of this movie. But uh, and so she leaves this apartment, which I believe is Korshak's apartment. Mm-hmm. It's Korshak's yes. apartment. It's a big studio. Yeah, it's a big another palace. Where, where most, of, yeah, most of it is where he shoots. He also has a, a beautiful cat that's just <laughs> kind of sit, sitting there meowing at and her. And the cat's an important a little red yeah, herring. It is fantastic so cream colored cat. Great cat actor. Yeah, she leaves. She gets well. She gets in a cab, and she's like, "I need to stop at the bank." And the cabbie's like, the only way to get money in 1986. (laughs) The cabbie is like, "Uh, you can't. And she's like, what do you mean? It's Thanksgiving. Uh, It's it's, uh, Thanksgiving. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. You know, turkeys, stuffing. And he's like, is this whole bank thing a way to get out of your affair? And she's like, just make a stop over here. And she shows him a little cash. And then my one of my favorite little weird moments in this movie is she goes to a bar, and she's obviously a regular there. And she talks to the bartender, and she's like, so-and-so, you know, can I? Can you cash a check for me? And he's like, sure, honey. And it's fucking Bruce Valanche. <laughs> you better believe it's Bruce Valanche. Wait, who's Bruce Valanche? Uh, kind of a famous comedy writer, like... For years, was like the guy who wrote jokes for the Oscars and stuff oh, like wow. that. He's like the head the head writer for like awards shows for mm. fucking thirty for years. Like yeah, he he co-wrote the Star Wars holiday special and oh, good. literally ten thousand other things. Yeah, nice. He's, uh, he's just like a major. He's but he's also you saw him in the movie. He's, he's a very he's a recognizable. Yeah, fellow. that's fun to see. He's fun. <laughs> Um, it, would, it would be like if she walked into the bank and was like trying to start a bank account and it's fucking Rip Taylor or something. Yes, Gallagher you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, is Gallag- smashing watermelons. I mean, hey, Jane Fonda did. It's not a bank account. You seen it? You heard something? <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> what do you think of that, Branford? <laughs> <laughs> That's real funny, Jay. Anyway, uh, poor Kevin Eubanks. I know. Too bad. Well, you know, he got paid. He got I'm paid sure. very well. Anyhow, uh, what happens next? Uh, yeah, she, this is there's like a, a lot of like 15, 20 minutes of her just. Oh, then she <laughs> tries. I, I enjoy she how tries to, she's trying to get out of town now. Yeah, she yeah. goes to the airport. I enjoy how like how she's failing spectacularly. At, she, she her first instinct, and this is probably what I would do, is just to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, get out of <laughs> like, town. I don't know what's going on. I am out of here. here. But she is a destitute person. She doesn't have 
too much you know, money. She had to go to the cash a check at a bar to get any money. Yeah. And now she wants to go to the airport, and they're like, we're booked. It's, it is oh, literally this, this Thanksgiving, This really lady. funny. I yes. love a, a crazy uh, airport holiday scene, though. Everyone's fucking <laughs> yeah. stressed as Thanksgiving shit. airport scene. Like, planes, trains, and automobiles is probably ripping off the morning after. <laughs> totally. I think this, it's 100%. <laughs> she's, she's at the ticketing uh, counter, and she, the, the lady's like, I'm sorry. We know we, all of our seats are just completely booked. You know, like. <laughs> gobble, gobble. It's Thanksgiving. There's nothing we can do. We can't just, like, make up seats. And then she starts crying. She's breaking down, and she's <laughs> she like, "She turns it on." I know because it's so is, funny, it's so good. And she's like, "They told me she was gonna be okay, and I don't know what to do anymore." Who's gonna be okay? Who's gonna my be daughter? Okay? My daughter. She has some sort of I don't know disease of some kind. <laughs> I think I don't know. And then they she's like got, like arrhythmia. Is that a thing? And she's like, they're trying to calm her down and get. Now they're trying to get her on a plane because she's the guy. The, they the, believe it. She's an actor. The manager of the airline ticket encounter or whatever is there, and he's like, I. I'm so sorry to hear about what is going on, but you know, honestly, I, there there are no there is no way for me to get you on this plane. And she's like, okay. What about Vegas? Can you take me to Vegas? <laughs> she just turns it off, gives up entirely. And yeah, and then crazy. And, and she gives up, and then she goes out. She goes outside, and she's double parked. And and these people are trying to get out of their parking spaces, and she's like, oh, sorry. She's uh, got a thing for I that too. I think the car is broken down. Uh, I'll, I'll give it another try. Oh wow, it started. Okay. She's like Axel Foley at this first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like. My name is Johnny Wishbone. I'm from the Isle of St. Croix. Instantly turning on new personas, except they just don't work for her because she, she sucks. She goes to the airport, tries to get a ticket to LA because somebody took a shit in the pool. Somebody took a shit in the pool. Somebody took a shit in the pool. Um, uh, but yes, at, at this moment, this is where, um, due to random happenstance, it does turn out. I mean, for a second there, we were meant to think that maybe some, there's something more afoot, but no. She just sort of randomly runs into Jeff Bridges, Jefferson is, Bridgerton, who is a fascinating character. Baby Bridges. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> and he's let's just this is the, this is this is where okay because we're gonna like there's the two movies that are like suffused with uh, racial epithets. One of them it's extremely important. In this In one, this it one seems it's like insane. a quirk. It is like a quirk. It, there's two aspects to his character. One is that he is insanely racist. Yes. Two. He's really nice. Yeah. What? His his that, his racism is, is not born of hate. He thinks he's being pragmatic. It is it is presented as uh, guilelessness in yes. this movie. Like everybody else is being like insincere but by not dropping racial. Mind. And, and hey, we're we're not saying he's, we approve of it. Maybe like, he shouldn't. He's but like, like he's just today's conservative definition of woke. Like absolutely, he, he would he would hate that. You know, he'd be like, I'm not woke like you guys. It's an it's. Quite insane, I have to say. I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in a movie before. And he st- and he says, Just "I mean, she try not so to. he like he like picks her up. She's beautiful. It's Jane Fonda, even though she kind of looks like shit or whatever. It's still Jane Fonda." And he's like, <laughs> "Hey, can I uh, help you in any way at all? I mean, do you want to get into my shitty car and I'll drive you around for a while? I, I I really don't have much to do. I have my own weird backstory that we'll get to." Uh, and so he's kind of driving around and just pretty much out of nowhere. Uh, he starts talking about the racial epithet for black people based yes. on a type of uh, playing card. Yes, Let's he calls put them it that, that <laughs> multiple times right away. Well, because one of the guys, yeah, I that think it's extremely important that he doesn't. He never uses the N word in this movie. That's an interesting observation because like, they're trying to go there because they they know even in 1986 if he started saying that they'd lose the audience. Yeah, so they want. And <laughs> I think that's 
I want to be I in the. Important. I want to be in the room of that script meeting. Oh yeah, where they're like really hashing this stuff. We really want him to <laughs> be went, really they racist. Went, they went to the dictionary. They wrote down a bunch of racial slurs. They were like, these ones are okay. I think that, this one's too much. I, I bet that they probably had him saying that and be like, boy, that sure sounds bad. Yeah. How about we have him saying one that they said in the fucking thirties all the time or whatever. <laughs> Um, so uh, he's, he's talking about that, yes. those kinds of people or whatever, and he's and, he, and this is just some idle chit chat where he's like, they spend disproportionately on their transportation, also in dressing their young, and then immediately so Jane weird. Fonda does say what we're all thinking, where she, she goes, what are you, the clan anthropologist? <laughs> but, and then that just becomes like a weird little joke that he's like. He's like, yeah, I gotta go to my clan meeting and all this stuff. It's just ugh. It's he finds so a weird. he finds a nice car. This is minutes into uh, sees a nice car or, or maybe he's talking about his own car. I don't know. No, they drive by. Well, first they they drive by. She ditches her car and they drive by her car. Yeah, and that's when he starts talking about the first thing. Yeah, now he's using a racial epithet for Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, about a, you know a thing that uh, is commonly uh, what what's uh, a food stuff. A food stuff. Yeah. <laughs> This is what we'll be. What we'll, what we'll do. This it's, a B, is great. it's a B word. Uh, that's a food. That's a food. This item. is what we'll do. Great. great. And he says that word, and he goes, "They'll fight. They'll fight with machetes for a car like this." And she's, and it's like a piece of shit too that he's driving because he's like, sure. she's making fun of his car because he talks about how they like they like fancy cars, and she's like, like this one. And he's like, oh no, this is an investment. Yeah. Mm. And but she's just kind of like, all right, buddy. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck is she doing here? I know, just trying I to get away? She's just trying. No, she's no, trying to get I back to the studio so she can clean up. Okay, that's what she she's does doing do right that. Now. But I mean, like, she's she's a barely lucid drunk. I mean, she's a yeah. full. I mean, you you rarely get to see an, a, an alcoholic at this yeah, advanced stage. Doesn't he? Doesn't he, doesn't he like? Or she's like, hey, can we stop and get a six pack or something? Because she's that's like, a little bit later. She's getting yeah. the DTs. So right now, before any of that happens, she's she's getting a ride to a friend's house. Is what. Is what she said. Right. He drops her off on the other side of the studio so she can go in, and this is where we get her like cleaning montage, which I love. Yeah, this is great. Cats so she, there. Yeah, she's she's in the studio. She came back and she decided that she just has to fucking take care of this. So she she makes herself another drink while she's there, and she gets to cleaning and she's scrubbing and she's like bundling this body up and like moving sheets and. And wiping her fingerprints off everything. It's a lot to clean. It's a lot to clean. It was quite the mess. And then when she's done cleaning, she is trying to find the cat because she can't find the cat anywhere. And then she hears the cat meowing from the closet, which was open before. Ain't and no now way that cat closed the door closed. itself. Because we all know cats can open doors, but if a cat closes a door, it's a demon. So, <laughs> um, She freaks out and she opens the door to leave. And uh, Bridges. Bridges is right there. Hey, how's it going? It's like, dude. You want to read? <laughs> you want to read this alone. issue of Stormfront magazine or whatever? <laughs> and then we like, and then we, yeah, okay. She's so not she, even that annoyed that he's there, which I would be like really annoyed. But he's just like, so is your friend okay? Because she said his, her friend was sick, and that's why she was visiting him. And she's like, no, I had to like, I have to take out his trash. She has a bunch of like garbage bags, and it's full of like the bloody rags and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not great for her. And then she's like, and she's back with uh, Jeff Bridges again, and she sort of just realizes she's going to be stuck with this guy, and that he's a, he's a bit of a, a in addition to being <laughs> a full fledged virulent racist, racist, he's also a puppy dog who also, will kind of just do anything oh, to help her. He's also an ex cop. We find out he is an ex cop too. Ex-cop. But he's like, he, but he's pretty cagey about the uh, circumstances related. He's like, ah, oh, I got stabbed, and I can't like. 
move my oh, yeah, he has, arm says he has very well. And you're like, that doesn't sound like reason yeah. enough to not to just now be a, a bum who drifts around or whatever your fucking deal is. And then don't they go to his place? Yeah. He lives in like an airport hangar or something like that. He well, lives for, in a warehouse. Well, I remember, well, they, well, cause he's fi- he fixes up cars. Yeah. And he's, and he's. <laughs> Oh, no, they go to her place first. Yeah, right. They get the six-pack. They go to her place. Probably an important detail that he says he fixes old broken things that nobody wants anymore. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, there are shots of uh, Raul Julia's uh, salon, mm-hmm. which are He's gorgeous. doing everything, very well. Everything in this movie, all the interior design is so good. It's all like pale pink and yeah. like neons The and only stuff movie like you see me shot in California. That's fascinating. It's very Palm Springs vibes yeah. in there, and it's and he is he, his salon business is thriving. It's, it's booming. Massive. Business is a booming. Business is a booming. Anyways, they're He's at the Fonda's, best. They're at Fonda's house, and Fonda's house is also like baby pink and shit. And uh, they it looks o- great. He opens her fridge. Six and a half jars of mayonnaise. <laughs> Two tacos, can of olives, six and a half jars of mayonnaise. <laughs> Why? And uh, about. About forty gallons of Thunderbird wine. Ooh, I do enjoy. I do enjoy uh, Thunderbird wine. It has a rich flavor. I've never had Isn't that it before, like syrupy? Yeah. It's it's fortified wine. It's like Mad Dog. <laughs> Ooh, Mad Dog. Bainte, Man, bainte. I should have I should have prepared a big bowl of stuffing and a bunch of Thunderbirds Thunderbird. for us today. Uh, by the way, if you're within the sound of my voice and you've never seen it before, go on YouTube, please, and look up James Mason's commercial for Thunderbird wine. Yes. So good. <laughs> oh wow. I think I have seen that before. He's like, he's just—it's just him in a chair with a thing, with a thing of Thunderbird. He's like, I love, I love Thunderbird wine. It's got a rich flavor all its own, and it's just—and and really I'm fun. famous for being a drunk, I'm so I would being know. An incredible drunk. I'm one of the most famous drunks there is. W.C. Fields is dead. They couldn't get him, so they got me. <laughs> I love James Mason so <laughs> yeah, much. Of course. Did you ever see Bill Hader do his James Mason? <laughs> oh, I bet he'd be great. He does James Mason uh, <laughs> trying to buy <laughs> trying to buy donuts with like, an expired gift certificate. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. You gotta love Bill Hader. He he must have tried out for SNL and he was try he and he was doing like Vincent Price, Vincent Price and James Mason in like 2013 or something. Like, <laughs> Like, Unbelievable. We'll take you. The James Mason thing, he does it a couple of times. It's fucking insanely good. Yeah. How much are the donuts with the gift certificate? <laughs> Without the gift certificate? Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mason. But anyways. Well, also, you got to see Hater do his Charlie Rose sometime. <laughs> He's oh, a talented God. guy. Tell me God. Barry's not very Anyway. Cool. Anyway. Uh yes, so they get to he he eventually buys her food. It's probably the first time she's eaten solid food in like four days. Or right. just immediately throw it up. Gets her some turkey sandwiches because it is still Thanksgiving. I believe at this point. It was very cute. He sets it all up on their little balcony. He like pulls this little like card table out and sets it all up and lights some candles and it's 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 kind of laughably romantic. Smooth uh, move, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. This is him giving a, a little bit of his backstory as to why he's off the streets, and oh he goes, and this is, and she's, she's, she does two. Se- her semi credit is constantly on his ass for his constant racism. Yeah, but obviously not to the. Well, I can't really blame certain, her. At a she's got point, a person she kind of lets it drop, though. Yes, <laughs> at a certain point it is on her, but in this during these early days, it's like she's got a guy who's helping her. I, I yeah. don't know. You can't in this situation. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Um. But yes, he's like, well, my whole story is I got stabbed by a little hooker, fourteen years of age. And she goes, I'm just gonna do I'm just gonna beep it whenever. Okay. Whenever I do beeping, it's a racial epithet. Okay. okay. Oh man. And she goes a little boop hooker. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then at one point she does I like kind of like analyze them of us, like kind of like tell me what's the deal with all your wild and yeah. instant racism that you aren't guarded about at all. And he's like, 
How can I be? A, how could I be a bigot? They're all full of ill will and malice. I just make observations. Jesus Christ! And then she goes like boop, boop, and boop, and he goes, "That sounds like a law firm." <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. And she goes, "You're fucking weird," or whatever to him. And then she's telling her story. She she was going to be the new Vera Miles, and uh, and he's like, "Who's that?" Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was funny. She goes, I could have been a contender. Yes. That's, that's very, that kind of instantly makes you kind of like her. Yeah. Um, and this is this is just the, the luxuriating in the characters sort of stuff that the movie does quite a, There's a lot of this relationship between this these two legitimately fucked up people. Uh, she, she's, she's crippled by... She's crippled by severe alcoholism and he's crippled by severe racism. <laughs> and so aren't they a pair? Very weird. Two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. Thankfully, really. P is not a racial slur. <laughs> yeah, I think at this point she does finally like uh, tell him like what her situ- like she stops kind of like hiding the fact that there's a dead body. Well, and all yeah. this, and then he but he initially kind of doesn't believe her too. He's like, yeah. I think he probably did it. But. And then he, and then during this scene, like I, I thought this was an, again Jane Fonda's fantastic in this, and she we've seen her throughout the day going through like a drunk cycle where she's hungover and she's confused, and then at the end of the day she's on that what is whatever. The, what is what's her drink of choice? Oh, the Thunderbird the Thunderbird wine? wine or whatever, and she's like hammered, drunk again, and then she's just kind of raving and about to pass out. Oh yeah. Jeff- According to some accounts, she was actually drunk for some of these scenes. That's Probably. cool method acting. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the she one, stumbles. the one where she's at his place, like smashing the toaster and like yelling at him. Oh, I yeah. think she's drunk for that. Great. I think she's absolutely sheeted for that one. <laughs> I, I, I fully support it. I love that, too, where she's like, he, Jeff Bridges is like, what's your problem? You know, why are you being so mean to me all the time? And she's like, because you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and well, she like, she's right. She just fucking hammers this toast, just yeet, just gone. <laughs> it's amazing. The They're throwing glasses around. It's like, yikes. <laughs> it's really fucking funny. Uh, but in, very importantly in this scene, she's about to like pass out as she has done for the last eight years or whatever it is. Uh, and then he like she like puts a towel up on her shower, and then he's like, "Well, I'll come back tomorrow or something like that." But he's okay. So the next day, and he passes. She passes out while calling uh, Raul Julia. Yeah, and says, I can't remember what she says to him, but he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm still not particularly bothered by the fact that you keep telling me that you murdered a guy. It's kind of suspicious how blasé I am about all this." <laughs> Isn't it? And then, and then she gets up the next morning, and this is great because there's just been this long, sustained period of time where you're like, oh, it's now it's a romantic comedy or whatever. And she gets up and she's like, ugh, <laughs> coughs up a couple cigarettes or whatever, and then goes to the shower and a dead body. It's oh, the no. same dead body. They put the body back in her house. It comes toppling, and she's Jeez. like, ah. And this is I love this kind of stuff because she just goes, Vah. she doesn't know how to handle this shit, and she just runs out of the house in her robe and yeah. she's just like running down the street. And then cops are immediately like pulling in because yeah. somebody. Somebody the ratted her there out. and ratted her out. Yeah. And they, for, the they somehow don't see her running away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's just barely ahead of them. And she's just in a robe. And, and she I, runs into Jeff Bridges Jefferson again. Jefferson Bridgerton he's again. He's always there. Interesting. It's just, it is suspicious that he's so always there. But it turns out the reason is he's a big loser and he's got nothing else to do. Yeah, I think I thought it was him for a while. Yeah. I know. I know. That's what they wanted me to. Is think. this before? And or I just after? play. I play right into being the perfect audience for every director's mystery thriller. <laughs> is this before or after the Jagged Edge? Is there a Jagged what, Edge? What year was Jagged Edge? Oh, the movie, the Jagged Edge. Uh, I think it's '83. Okay. Because I'm, I'm saying, gonna, if, I'm, gonna if, look it up. I'm, I'm asking me because if Jagged Edge was before this, then you have another reason not to, to know that Jeff Bridges could possibly be the killer. The year before. The year before. So you couldn't do two Jeff Bridges as the killer movies back to back. That could be. That could be. <laughs> 
I, I, I just, it just didn't, I just didn't buy it. His character made too no, much he's, sense. No, he's too dopey. Yeah, he, his, he made too much sense in, in yeah. just what he was doing and where he was. But uh, then they go to his place. Right. This is when they yeah, go to when his, they finally yeah. go to his and place. He, first, he complains about how the Korean guy who owns his hangar owns half of L.A. after only living here for a couple of years because the Koreans are buying everything. Yeah, yeah. He owns <laughs> half of L.A. So sure, he, he does. Talk to Sean Connery Koreans. about that. Yeah, exactly. Cool high. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and then uh, what happens? Oh, then we find out he's divorced. And she's like, oh, but she lets you keep uh, all the cookware. And he's like, no, no, that's mine. I, I cook. Yeah, I live in a warehouse. I cook. He's got he's got to mention junk. this fella. Yeah, I guess he's so. a fixer upper. I'm the world's nicest racist. <laughs> he's from. Oh, and at one point, I, I like this kind of stuff, especially in movies set that set in L.A. Where he goes, "I was a cop. Where were you, a cop? In Bakersfield." And she goes, "That checks out." <laughs> I don't even understand why that's funny. Because Bakersfield's where trash ass uh, oh, racists okay. are. I didn't know that. I think that's her going like. Um, that explains why you're such a racist right. piece of shit. Okay. Before this, at this some is how point, LA, people in LA talk about Bakersfield. This I know for a fact. That's uh, new to me. Yeah. Before this, at some point, she goes to her friend Frankie, the drag queen's house, to get to get clothes. To get clothes. Yeah, Frankie. Um, which is hard because Frankie's like, I'm a drag queen. I don't Not have a any house. house I don't have any house dresses. Yeah. I'm so sorry. What she comes up with is very nice. Oh yeah, she comes out with like a really nice, like green, like kind of pantsuit type business casual thing. I was a big fan of Frankie's like mermaid under the sea decor in his bedroom. God, the interiors, I swear <laughs> to God, the interiors are it's very Hollywood, very LA. It's it looks so good. I, I like when she's looking in his closet and come kind of complaining about stuff like can't find anything and she's like he's like, "Wait, I've got this one thing. I wore it on a date with a guy. He was in the mafia." <laughs> and then she shows it to him. Shows it to her, and it's like... He's like, uh, it's very conservative. It's, very, it's like basic black, and it's like sheer with big sequins. With like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then, he goes, yeah. basic black. <laughs> then they go over to Jeff Bridges, and he, he starts... He makes her a meal. Yeah. And his house is boring compared to everyone else's house, because he's a boy. Huge. That kitchen's beautiful, though. Yeah. He's got a bunch of books. Oh, yeah, he has a complete... She goes, oh, you read Nah. <laughs> I hope to someday. <laughs> he has a complete set of Nancy Drew, and she freaks out over it because she loves Nancy Drew ever since Very she cute. was a kid. And, and he's he... like, I want to give them to my daughter. Yeah, but now she's too old for them. Yeah. Which means he has a past. And then she's Bam. like, your daughter sounds like a real bitch. And he says she's he's some racist stuff about his little girl. And <laughs> No, that didn't happen. <laughs> and then he's like, do you want them? And she's like, seriously? Yeah, I guess. But after I am cleared of murder charges, I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. And then they fuck. Well, and it's a sweaty one, too. Yeah, her, there's a lot of water. There's a lot of sweat pooled on her back yeah. afterwards. And Ew, it's, it's like there's, a, there's something of a sex scene. It's not the most... Um, Do we see his butt? I forgot. I don't know. And you're like, Thanksgiving's on Thursday. Nudity. Hump day was yesterday, Hump folks. day was yesterday, guys. Come on now. Come uh, on now. But yeah, they, they, <laughs> they do hook up. It's Theirs is a love for the ages. And now it's yet another morning after. It, it works. The it works fine for me. The morning after can be murder. <laughs> he, he, they, they, they both progress as people from from their, their respective uh, ailments. She, she, and they're like, making do with what they have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and isn't that what Thanksgiving's all about? I su- probably. 
<laughs> I can only assume. Well, that's about two people with like, mediocre coping skills. All right. What yeah, happens yeah. now? Uh, we're we're t- kind of towards the we're end. We're kind of towards here. the end. He he like wants her to call the cops, so he has her call a specific guy that he knows. Oh, his buddy, uh, Sergeant Greenbaum. Yeah, Sergeant Greenbaum, and she's like, "Hello, this is not Jane Fonda, the killer. I don't know who this is, but uh, the right, your friend I, told me to call your friend you. told me to call you, and I moved the body, so this is where I found him. Yeah, at his, at his place." So you know, I might want to look into that, but I didn't kill him. And and the the, the cops in in this case, you know, are like, okay, we're we're helpful. Yeah, we are trying to solve this crime. And, and it, we're at, at some point, they go oh, okay. they go to her place, or is it her place? Where he's talking? Well, Jeff Bridges is there, and he's talking to Kathy Bates, who's they like go her to neighbor. the studio where the, the studio. Happened. That's right. So it's his place. It's Korshak's place. Yeah. And uh, they he's talking to Kathy Bates, who is Kathy this guy's Bates. neighbor, Baby Bates. And she's like, I saw a lady that looked like her running and crazy and having a big tantrum. Mm-hmm. And um, he Jeff Bridges is like, oh, that's that's kind of interesting. He, he just knows it's impossible for her to, for her to have been there at the time somehow because he left while she was passed out. And then, then he came back, and there was a body. There wasn't a body in the shower when he yeah. left. And so when he came back, the body was in the shower. He's yeah. got the shower. He's got this. He he is basically fully like he's like I know that this lady's a crazy drunk and stuff, but I also know that she, she didn't, didn't do, do this. And I also know that other races are inferior to my to my <laughs> white race. These are one of the things that I know. I'm a character in this movie. And he's also like, hey, you're gonna let your cat out. And she's like, ugh, I would never own a cat. Yeah. And he so he's got the cat. He's he, like, well, you do you, get to see doing, buddy? Jeff Bridges carrying around a colicky cat yeah. on the street, and it's just writhing around. It's pretty and, funny. And it, curiously enough, he runs into the cop yeah. on the way out of the, the fucking crime scene. Everyone happens to just be around each yeah. other. And the cop you is know, like, L.A. is so small. It's a small, yeah. It the cop's kind of suspicious, movie. but he's like, eh, you know, look into it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, look into that guy, too, while you're at it. And it's, it's all pretty. The, the cop stuff is not, not a huge well, like, part of the movie. Like other movies we've done, uh, recently, including a Sydney Lumet movie, Stranger Among Us, this is kind of not that interested in the crime stuff. Yeah, the murder is secondary to the character stuff. That's true, mm-hmm. but there's but there is more of there's it more than of in Stranger Among Us. It. Yeah, uh, there's a, a scene that I liked a lot where the cop, where a couple cops go into Jackie's salon. Yeah, uh, and one of them is Rick Rossovich. Yes, who is of course from Top Gun, mm-hmm. most famously, but I like him in Roxanne as well. Uh, he's the most buff guy in Top Gun. And uh, they're like they're kind of like intimidating Jackie, and I and I liked this line here. What was his call sign in Top Gun? Do you remember? Uh, buff guy. Buff guy. Okay. Most most buff. The most buff in Top Gun. <laughs> most buff. You're going down. He's not Merlin. Merlin was Tim Robbins, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like that movie. Wow. Well. Uh, anyways, uh, so they they're in the salon. We we have already found out earlier that Jackie's not gay, but uh, but that's also fine or whatever. And uh, Rick Rossovich says to him, "Are you a boop, Jackie?" <laughs> and then he, and then Raul Julia, like slowly walks up to him and goes, "How bad do you want to know?" <laughs> that was <laughs> tight. Like, I awesome. love that. That was badass. Yeah. Uh, but then we're we're getting finally to the end game here, which is pretty pretty well, sloppy. But then, I still like it. Then we follow Raul Julia around for a little bit, and we see that he's like he's at a really nice. Party. He's marrying up. He's marrying up. He's marrying like this rich heiress, Diane Salinger. Mm. 
And uh, but she, and she plays he the. Told her, he told Jane Fonda just very recently, or she found out. Yeah, yeah. Diane's... And he, he was like, "I'm sorry," because their whole thing was that they weren't gonna get divorced, and they were just gonna, you know, their best friends or whatever. And she was ser- oh, she was served with the divorce papers, mm-hmm. or her lawyer called or whatever, and she was upset that he didn't tell her in person. There was this whole thing. He seems apologetic, and he's like. Isn't he like come over and just hang out while I have this party? While I go to this party with my yeah with my fiance. He changes her hair at one point too. Oh yeah, we they get to have a little powwow where she goes to his. She gets uh, brown hair. And he changes her hair oh, color, yeah. which seems like an extremely nice thing that he's doing. But and it she turns out is and she's like, it's Alexandra. Like she's yeah, like, it's sweet again. It's yeah. And their and their relationship is very sweet. It kind of makes the ending <clears> even more even more bitter. But anyway, um, so skip to the end, I guess. It but, turns the, but, out. The mar- but the rich lady that he's marrying is played by Diane Salinger, who is uh, P- like a Paul Rubens. Uh, yes. She is, she's in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and she mm. is Paul Rubens and Diane Salinger are the Penguin's parents mm. in Batman Returns. Huh. Yeah. So she's got she's a bit of a legend, legend in her own right. Uh, and she gets to be she's she doesn't appear in the movie until the last twenty minutes, but yeah. then she gets like a she gets to eat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. She uh, so it turns out that that uh, he's marrying this woman. She got involved with Mister Bobby Korshak, and there were some yucky pictures involved. And he was gonna maybe blackmail her, mm-hmm. and she killed him. She killed him. Yeah. She, yeah. You can tell, like, at a certain, because she doesn't say much, but then when she does start talking, she's, like, flipping out, and you can tell, like, oh, yeah. this this rich lady is nuts. She's nuts. Mm. She killed him, and Jackie covered it up by framing Alex. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now- So he's not a murderer, but he's certainly no good, certainly not a good friend of Alex. <laughs> no. He was also willing to throw his friend, or his wife, technically. Well, he was going to kill <laughs> her at the, the very end, too. Yeah. Yeah. And she, even his fiance at that point was like, "Hey, don't kill her. Yeah, like, yeah. we just wanted to kill that guy. Only that, only the shitty guy was going to exploit me. Like, mm-hmm. not your wife. You know, we just wanted to send her to prison for the rest of her life." <laughs> there's a, there's like a kind of an altercation. It all sort of comes to a head pretty quick. And and this is all at Jackie's place, I believe. Yeah, down his spiral staircase. Yeah. Into his the spiral staircase. God, this place. But Jeff Bridges is, is also cool. there, and Jackie. Wallops Jeff Bridges with like this vase. vase, this huge vase. Cracks his skull open real well. <laughs> I enjoyed this because, like in movies, people get whacked with vases all the time, and, then and it's like happens. they're down. Do you guys <laughs> they're both, down for do a little you guys bit. Both say vase, vase, vase. It's the classy way to say it. Vase. No, I really like how fancy you are. Blades, blades, chamois, you can be uh, blades about some things, but no, <laughs> not about but not about Ruben blades. But basically, I love it. Jeff, I love it. Jeff Bridges gets hit with his vase, and he is coated in a thick layer of his own blood. Yeah, there's for lots the rest of blood. He is just like he is stewing in his own juices over there. <laughs> I was like, was that vase filled with blood? Mm. Why is there so much blood? <laughs> but that's probably what would happen. His fucking head open like it's a pomegranate, man. This stuff is <laughs> he's, everywhere. He's, you're kind of like, is Jeff like Bridges going to die? Yeah. He might die from getting he hit might with die. this vase. That's crazy for a movie, at least. Yeah. In real life, very plausible. Very but anyways, plausible. like in the end, he like he was able to like pull the muster the last second of his consciousness and blow Jack. Or no, he blows Diane Salinger away. No, he killed. He shoots Raul Julia, but Raul Julia is not dead. He's yeah. just he's just wounded. That's right. No, no, then the cops alive. show up, and they're like, "Who's doing all the shooting?" And Diane Salinger is like, "That man," and points at points at uh, Raul Jeff Julia. Bridges. Oh. And then uh, at some point here, she's like. Uh, she knows the jig is up, 
and she's like, she he did it. He killed him. She's going to pin it right back, right on Raul Julia, like, Raul who, Julia did, who killed did him. so much. I told him not to, but he did. Yeah. And then he's like, no, wait a second. She did it. I just tried to frame my wife to cover it up. I but did then, a different bad thing. And they're, and they're like, tell your story walking there, Gomez Adams. Get out of here. <laughs> Don't get in bed with the psychotic rich. Yeah. It's it's hard to feel all that sorry for him, obviously, no. for, for obvious reasons. But at the same time, uh, it's I think it's presented as a slight injustice because I mean she really did commit the murder, and he just covered it, you know, at this at the he framed his his wife yeah. for the murder to climb up socially. Um, but at one point, uh, Jeff Bridges, she's uh, Jane Fonda's talking to Jeff Bridges in his hospital bed, and this is where he, where we realize that he's maybe grown a little bit as a person. And she's like, I think that Raw's gonna go to, is gonna go up for the murder, and he's like, well, she'll probably do some time in jail. He'll probably p- get the blame for it though, because who do you think they're gonna believe, her or? Beep. No, <laughs> no, some guy named Joaquin Monero. Yeah. Instead Aww, of instead of saying the thing look that you know he wanted to avoiding say, avoiding a slur. And she's like, I haven't had a drink in two days. You know, well, for, he's like, this relationship can't work. Yes. You know, because you're a drunk. And she's like, I'm getting sober. And he's like, uh, you know. I've been sober for two and a half days. He's and like, you're like, you you must be a wreck, lady. Yeah. Holy shit. And then he tells her that he used to be an alcoholic, or yeah. is an alcoholic, and has been in recovery for many years. I used to be in this movie called Eight, Eight Million Ways to Die, <laughs> where I was an extreme alcoholic cop. That was a great movie. I like to think that he's the same guy, just like a few. Just Matt you know, Scudder? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he used to be a drunk, so that kind of like explains how he's you know, patient with her yeah. and all that, I, I guess. And the Bakersfield thing explains why he's so racist. But he's getting better. She's getting better. And then she they do... They want to be together. They, they wanna... do a thing where it's kind of like, I guess we'll not be together. Nah, we're going to be together. Yeah, like, she leaves and then comes back. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? Just come on. It's the same thing that he did earlier when she told him to leave and he, like, stayed in front of her door or something. Oh, I right. know this so trick. Cute. I count to three and you disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun. It's cute. She comes back. I guess the trick didn't work. <laughs> Happy ending. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's an amusing enough movie. I, it was so. It was a lot sillier and crazier than I, especially with Lumet, because like we'll talk about the two movies we're gonna do after this are more what I think of when I think of Lumet. And sure. Yeah. A Stranger Among Us and this one are like that's right. This dude can also just do doofy horse shit <laughs> as well. And you know I love some doofy horse shit. Uh, this is just some. Uh, how about some extra racism from old? Lovely. Uh, this is way later on too, uh, and I think this is when he's talking about his Korean landlord who owns half of uh, L.A. Now. Mm-hmm. He goes, "They say Orientals got bigger brains than us. Think so?" <laughs> Jane Fonda just goes, "Sounds reasonable." <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that he says. She says, "By by uh, my uh, my husband's name is Jackie. He's a hairdresser." Is he, and he goes, is he gay? And she goes, no. And he goes, in Bakersfield, Jackie's a gay name. What? <laughs> what? Is that right? Is that <laughs> like right? That, like that notorious homosexual Jackie Chan. <laughs> in Bakersfield, though. <laughs> Weird. Um, whatever makes you happy is the line that he repeats over and over again. There's a lot of like line repeating. That what a like little that. old baby douchebag. He's annoying. And I love, I and I think he's really hot. Yeah. What a, what a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, I think that's uh, that's all you can just imagine. <laughs> just just fill in a whole 
reams and reams of more racism. There's much more racism in the next movie. It's, I know. Yeah, but like in in this one, you could you could see you could see them easily making this movie without <laughs> including that stuff. It doesn't feel essential. It's in fact extremely no. weird. It's in this more day of a, it's age. more of a weird quirk. Yeah, it is a weird quirk. Uh, ratings. I'm gonna give it three juds. I found it entertaining. Good acting from Ms. Fonda and uh, Jefferson Bridgerton, Bridgerton Jr. And that cat. <laughs> and the cat. Oh, and Kathy yeah, the Bates. Cat. And I love Raul Julia. So it was fun. Good cast. Enjoyable movie. Pretty funny. The racism stuff was so bizarre. Um, I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it like a Douglas and a half for the sex scene. And, uh, the, and the consideration of uh, pumping iron in porno. Porno, porno, porno. Porno, Granny Fanny Cheek Week and American Breast Enthusiast. <laughs> my three favorite pornographic magazines. Gigantic asses. <laughs> Moses is a pornography store. Anyway, uh, and I am going to give it 10 out of 10 exploding Jeff Bridges heads. <laughs> Boy. Just popped him like a balloon full of red food dye. <laughs> Bridges v. Vaz doesn't doesn't mm. turn out as well for Bridges Dawn as you might justice. think. Dawn of justice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bridges v. Voss, Dawn of Justice. Um, I, boy. God, I almost, I'm going to, fuck it. I'm going to give it three and a half. Okay. I just thought it I, I enjoyed the hell out of it all the way through. It's just an, ex- like, if you, if you ever want to watch a movie from 1986 and feel like you're watching a movie from 1936, this is the movie for you. Sometimes, sometimes you'll like like Q and A, the movie that we're that we're gonna do next. You're kind of like, wow, this holds this holds up really well. This feels very contemporary. And, and then you watch a movie that was made four years before, and you're like, was this made in the fucking dark ages? <laughs> Jesus Christ! But it, but pleasingly, I, I I was laughing my ass off the whole way through. And Jane and everybody's so great in it too. And I love that cat. Oh, something before we. Go too much further. I just wanted to point out, and I forgot to mention this when we were talking a minute ago. This is also an accidental sequel to Clute. Is that right? Well, you know, Brie Daniels is an actress in that. Brie Daniels. Brie is an actress in that movie, and like this is sort of like that's before and this is after. It's like, oh. and both both of them function as Fonda meta texts. Okay. Anyhow, that's, cool. that's it. I'll take it. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm also gonna give it one and a half. Uh, Douglas's the sex scene is isn't like look crazy or anything but it is a little bit more than i was expecting i would say and um what did you what did you give it for your for your other one pops jeff bridges heads pops <laughs> jeff bridges. <laughs> shit man there's a lot of weird little things in here i'm gonna give it uh i'm gonna give it 10 out of 10 definitely not fake knives coming out of chests <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to give this three Juds. I had a lot of fun with it. It was, I mean, besides all the gross racist stuff, but it was kind of like, I I love a movie that's like this one day or like one evening and this person has to get themselves out of trouble. Um, And I really, really like Jane Fonda in this as well. And the interior decor was like really, really good. Um, I'm going to give it 0.5 Douglases, half a Douglas for the sex scene. Because it just didn't shock me. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to give it uh, two tacos, a can of olives, and six and a half jars of mayonnaise. Perfect. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one's going to be not as fun. Oh, uh, one thing that sucks about the morning after and doesn't suck about the movie we're about to talk about is the music. 
Dave Grusin never met a score he couldn't ruin a movie with. Uh, oh, music yeah, in the morning that is after so weird. Fucking terrible, jazzy, like, sitcom music. Yeah. It's fucking awful. A lot of the time it's just regular thriller music, but th- but I think at, the, at the, the point where it's the most obtrusive is she has just found a corpse with a knife, and she's, like, frantically walking down the streets, and this is the, they roll the credits, they roll yeah. the credits. And this is a great credit sequence where they're, like, over these warehouses and stuff, mm-hmm. and they're playing... Yeah. Unbelievable. Just this breezy, like, elevator music. <laughs> second second Cindy Lumet movie in a row we watched with a fucking terrible score. Right, right. They should have had the Klezmer music in this one. <laughs> yeah, that uh, been awesome. But the next movie uh, we were watching, 1990s Q&A, starts with fucking Ruben Blades banger. We're calling him Blades. Matt looked it up. I, I watched an interview with him because I was curious, and, and he's like, no, it's like Blades and Bladas are both fine. My father went by Blades. I'm happy to go. I go by Blades in a lot of like Latin communities and, and countries. A lot of people just pronounce it Blades anyway. Sure. And he's fine with that. He did tell a story about how he was um, doing a show and the MC introduced him as Blades and it was in like, you know, Panama or something like that yes. where he's from. He's the Frank Sinatra of Panama. And people got mad at the guy and he had to go and chill. He had to chill out the crowd <laughs> so yeah. they until they didn't it's get like, him. Hey, Blades is fine, yeah. guys. Either one also, is fine and I fucking choose. Blades. I choose Blades because it sounds cool. Yes. Blades sounds rad, but I always thought it was Blades. And so then when I even thought of the idea that it was Blades or something, I was like, but that's fun too. Yeah. But they're both cool. But they're but, both cool. Yeah, and and he, he's very cool. He busts Mom in Blades. with the song Don't Double Cross the Ones You Love, it's which <laughs> which happens a few more times and in the end credits. It's as sort well. of the most notable piece of music in the movie. This and it song comes fucking in. Slaps. It has this weird intro, like like the synthesizer <laughs> intro. And that 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 music will like come up at really intense moments in the story and it's there, just like there's always the, the vibes they there's it. always the threat of the blades yeah they play it at the beginning middle and end yes and and thank goodness too and uh one of the 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 opening line to this song too obviously i'm going to be playing this at the end of the episode i was just going to say we have of course to. the title of the song is the hit um, but the f- opening line a metal shark cuts metal into shark. the night wow but so you talked about Ruben Bl- Ruben Blades a lot, and he's always an actor in these. And I've always mentioned that he's like this me- mega star in Central America. And yeah. we finally get to get his music. He's not in this movie at all, but he's all over it. Uh, and Great. so this movie this movie starts with Timothy Hutton getting a phone call. It starts with Timmy Timothy Hutton's ass, his bare ass. Yeah, we do see his butt. It's a little shadowy, but oh, wait, we see it. No, he doesn't get the phone call because we haven't seen the murder yet. The murder happens. We start first. with the murder. Yeah, yeah. For Nick Nolte. Uh, goes get, sends a dude into a, into a shady looking nightclub, and then the, and then another guy comes out who's clearly wasted, and Nick Nolte just shoots him right. This is Tony Vasquez. Tony this Vasquez. This is the precipitating event of the whole movie. Everything else is fallout after this opening event. Yeah, and and we'll come to find in this movie and the next movie that Sidney Lumet, although he isn't particularly interested in the violence and the action, is I think very good at shooting it. Yeah, uh, these these scenes are scary. Yeah. Like whenever the, the yeah. this movie and the next movie have like they're, violence in them, they're, they're like shocking. Real. They're yeah, like real feeling real. more than other other directors. He has the gunshots mixed way up, uh, and just like the way that it's blocked out, it's it's of course intended to show the actual weight and consequence of violence, and so it's startling, and so it's not supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's still fun, still pretty fun. But <laughs> but, but I do appreciate the what he's doing, and it's cool. Nick but yes, Nolte Nick Nolte just drags this guy out of the out of the door, Tony Vasquez, and blows him away, right, shoots him right in the fucking right head. In the head. And, he and then plays he Mark Sergeant Mike Brennan, Mike 
Mike Brennan. Anyway, I don't know his rank. He's he's a, a very a very ma- a very mean man. This is a quintess. This is a fucking quintessential Nick Nolte performance. I think this is like he's maybe so my favorite Nick Nolte performance. Did we say the title of this? Q and A. Thank you. Q and A. You know, the first case is an assistant district attorney began with my phone call at 3:05 a.m. Tell us, uh, tell us in your own words. Tell us what happened. I saw him reach. I saw a flash of metal. God was with me. I hit him in the head. So I go outside, and not a big guy pulls his badge, and he says, "Hey, nobody moves. You got a right to remain silent as long as you can stay on the pain." <laughs> Give me a Q and A on this. There's no statute of limitations on murder. I'm gonna bury your boy, Brennan. But legally, I got my proof. So I break a couple of heads. I mean, you lose control of this jungle, you're finished. It gets rough sometimes. If you take shortcuts, they've never heard us in court. Just suppose Brennan comes up wrong. Judges and Jew lawyers and the Kinney DAs are raking it in. You take a freaking hamburger and it's goodbye badge, gun, and pension. Yeah, it's sure. called Q&A. Uh, I think this might be my favorite Nick Nolte performance. Of all time? I'm not a... I don't I love think it I've so. seen a lot of Nick Nolte stuff, so... I was very blown away by this performance. Like, I texted you guys at the beginning. I was like, well, I'd rather see Gene Hackman do this. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, this guy's, no. This, Gene this Hackman guy's has like, done this, too. But, yeah, but I feel like this is, like, a darker, less, like, f- fun-having version of what Gene Hackman would have done. I don't think you know Hackman, I, mean? I think yeah, they would have to, you would have to, like, sort of remodel the character if it was Hackman. Yeah. Because one of the reasons Nick Nolte's so great in it is because Brennan is a fucking beast. He's like yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yes. Hackman is not as physically imposing. There's a review, uh, there was a review in the Washington Post that uh, calls Nolte, or talks about Nolte's monumental brutishness, oh, which God, I believe is a good perfect. way of putting it. He's just terrifying in this. Yeah, and he's greasy and he's just kind of <sighs> disheveled and he's just angry and powerful and has no has no moral compass when it comes to getting what At he all. wants and getting out of what he shouldn't He's be fully evil, fully villainous and also feels 100% real. Yeah. And he feels completely vindicated in it too. He believes that what he's doing is the right thing to do. He and he's a tragedy. He's like a human tragedy. He's yeah. a disa- he's like a his character we find out stuff about his character where he's like you can only imagine what kind of hell this guy's in, uh, yeah, in I mean, inside his own mind yeah. all the time. He's he's obviously a ruined person. <laughs> Not that you feel sorry for him. No, no. You can't imagine a more monstrous person than this. And I and I want to point out like this is just this is just when, when you know that you're on another level of of acting ability when you can play a character that is this unpleasant. And this scary, and the, and the viewer still is like, I can't wait to see that guy again. You like, and, you and like, the, you still love. By watching the way, him. the sexiest man alive. <laughs> All right, just right around this like time, two years after this. Wait, what? He was he it was, was named after the Prince sec- of people's sexiest man alive. After this? No, it was after Prince of Tides. It was it was during Prince of Tides time, but that's right around now. This is like two years later. Yeah. Was he sexy? Uh, he was considered a pretty big sex symbol at the time. Prince of Tides was huge. And a very good movie, by the way. Sure, I've never seen it before. I'm so uh, confused. <laughs> <laughs> Nick no, Nolte, sexy question mark in Google? You'll Prince see of Tides was 91 next 90, year. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and so, and then, yeah. like, you know, Cape Fear was around now. Boy, you know, Nolte was having a moment. He was on one. 
Yeah, I, I I would certainly put it in my top five. Nolte, I mean Nolte, I think Nolte is one of those guys who's just in the upper echelon. He's not like always good, but he's just like when he's good, he's fucking good. He's fucking good, yeah. And maybe he is always good. I'm trying to. Is, he must be bad in that Julia Roberts movie that he, apparently nobody wanted to be. Oh, I love, I love trouble. trouble. I mean, I've never seen it, but he, he's still he's still doing Nick Nolte shit. I do this. Ah, damn, hey, fuck Julia fucking Roberts, get this bitch out of my fucking. Sexiest trailer. man alive. There baby. he is, baby. I love I love Nick Nolte, and he's still kicking ass to this very I like, day. I like Santa Claus Nick Nolte best. Dude, Santa Claus Nick Nolte is awesome, especially because you... I mean, you... I guess, but this is way before he was voted Sexiest Man Alive. Mm. I can't Look, I can't account for the tastes of women 30 years ago. I know. Or the I was only 11. I didn't know what sexy was. People Magazine. Uh, it is. Now he just kind of scares me, though, after this. Man, but he's know, been scary. You know how many, you know how much fucking booze and coke that man has put into his body? Jesus Christ, he's been higher than God. There's a famous. I'm astonished and jealous at the <laughs> the heights of addiction and 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 like drug induced ecstasy this man is. is he got to do oh, this. Is a cute one with him and the Budweisers. Oh baby. Yeah, I mean he's obviously handsome. Like all in right. his early, he got to do it all. I don't know about uh, him in being sixty-one years old, being voted sexiest man. But also, did you guys hear? He was sixty-one when that when that when that magazine thing came out. Holy shit! Um, uh, did you guys? Hear How that? old is he now? He's probably like ninety. He was good in that uh, that episode of Poker Face. What's his face? Just got sexiest That's man right. alive again. Me or Patrick Dempsey? Really good. What? Good for him. Not good for him. What the fuck is he doing right now? That I we believe need to he's talk? in Ferrari. Oh, he's also going to be in the new thing, the Eli Roth Thanksgiving movie. But Nick Nolte's eighty-two. There's a million other people who could have. Yeah, and you're sitting in a room talking to one of them right now. <laughs> it's me. It's me. God damn it. It's me. Oh All God, right. I should be the fucking sexiest man alive. You motherfucker. Nick Nolte. <laughs> Blows away this guy and then grabs a couple people that were standing behind him and and they're and he's like, Look, you see that? Do you what see, do you see there? What do you see? What do you see? And the guy's like, nothing, nothing. No, what do you see? What do you? What's oh, in his uh, hand? A gun, a gun. And he does that a couple times. Yeah. What do you see, honey dripper? Ugh. That is it. That is your, a racial epithet, apparently. Oh yes, they say that a lot. And uh, we, we were discussing before we started uh, recording. There's a couple. We learned a couple. I learned a couple epithets. of new ones. We we discovered the uh, the existence of what is it racial slur dot com or something the ra- like yes, that. Yes, the ra- the internet racial racial slur database, <laughs> database or something like which that, which apparently existed in in nineteen ninety when they wrote this movie because they were running out of options and they had to like you think they, they had to find you the think index. they had like a like a wheel of fortune type spinning wheel with the slurs on them like okay we need four of them in this sentence here one we can't just use the two same more spins one over and, and who put lose a turn in here. Yeah. Uh, bankrupt is not a slur. <laughs> do do not pass go. Um, <laughs> but like, but this, but in this movie, like, it's a compl- I think almost in completely inexplicable in the morning after. And this this movie is about dirty racist yeah. cops. It's about racism to a large degree, and unflinchingly so, for sure. I mean, I think there's par- a, a part of the aspect of that movie that is its weakest um, aspect. Yes, and there's a reason for that too. That is that is interesting. Um, that that that's the Ugh. stuff where you're like, well, that, we just we just got to cut that shit out there. It doesn't Seriously. work. But it is. But this is not a movie that's like blase about this sort of stuff. No, this not is at all. Actually, not blase about anything. It's very serious. This and movie. like, the, it's the movie is just consistently harrowing. Yeah, I like the fact. I I thought it's super unpleasant. I thought for three quarters of this that we really were watching more of a crime drama than anything else. But it it really does become a thriller. And then, but like once those thr- thriller elements kick in. It's harrowing more than mm-hmm. anything else. It's like shit. Oh, oh, oh no! Yeah. This is really bad. It's this really, is really bad. bad and scary. Um, okay, so 
Nick Nolte has killed this guy. And he's and the, it looks like the police are going to help him cover it up. Basically, oh, yeah. it, it's what the it's what the uh, the DA says is cut and dry. Not the DA. He's the the head of the homicide bureau, Quinn. I like I like how uh, clearly the, I think this is structurally really well done. Where mm-hmm. the opening thing we see exactly how fucked it is what Nick Nolte did. Yeah, and then the next scene is Tim Hutton being like brought into the fold. He's this like uh, wet behind ADA. the ears yeah. ADA guy. His father used to be a cop. This is all going to be very familiar in the next movie that we talk about too. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly. Um, and then, and then the, all the cops are like, "Hey, how's it going, man? We're all nice. We're, we all know your old man. To the team, we know you're a man. good cop. And this is Mike Brennan. And we know that you are gonna take care of all." This. Mike Brennan's like, "Hey, I'm introduced. Todd's telling a fucking, I mean, a pretty dicey story, but I'm, I seem like a nice guy. I'm he's telling, he's telling you know a story about a mob guy that he was shaking down." Who, <laughs> who he beat the crap out of and threw out a window, and then the guy shit himself. Yes. And then everybody's just, and then they're like, oh, and then he stunk. So I grab him by the ass and neck, and I say, all right, you guinea cocksucker, you bought it. Pop! I threw him right out the fucking window. Shits his pants. So I says, we're all out of ink pads. You're going to have to use your own shit. Just and all the cops, and they this love is, it. This is the movie for you. Including Charles S. Dutton uh, and Louis Guzman. And what's who Charles? Are, yes. Ch- Charles Dutton Charles is Chappie. Chappie. Oh, I am Chappie. <laughs> I'm Chippy. I'm alive. Oh, I am alive. Did you did you catch that uh, when you were watching this, your your date turned to you when Charles S. Dutton came in and said, "That's Chappy." That's ch- <laughs> 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 I've been saving that one all week. And then Louis Guzman is his partner, Valentine. <laughs> And uh, and they're they're uh. gonna help Timothy Hutton investigate this. The deal is that uh, Quinn, the chief of homicide, has brought Timothy Hutton in. He says it's gonna be a real cut and dry. You just have to take statements from everybody, and whatever goes into the Q and A is basically what it's gonna be. So you make sure that everybody's story is straight. If you want to hear the title of this movie, you're gonna hear you're gonna it hear a lot. It a lot. This baby, it's what's not. If it's not in the Q and A, then it's not. Doesn't count. It's all about the Q and A. We gotta find the Q and A. Q and A. Yeah, drinking game with this movie. Uh, drink every time. Drink every time. I think you would I get think pleasantly you... toasted. Yeah, or you, you could, could play the much worse drinking game anytime somebody <laughs> says some horrible racist? racial epithet. No, have an eyedropper <laughs> drop full of booze every time somebody says <laughs> a racial epithet. I'm You'll still die. Anytime eyedropper. Nick Nolte scares you. I'm going to do an <laughs> eyedropper full of DMT every time. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> every time. So I'm going to be going down the racist tunnel for a while. <laughs> It's like it's like traveling in time, like you're using the spice. Oh yeah, it'll be like I'm paint drying on a wall for 15 hours. (laughs) It's eternity in there, man. Um, It's very important that we point out at the beginning because I don't think this character is enough. Like it's one of these characters that's introduced in the beginning, and then we don't see him for long periods of time. And but like he's really crucial to the plot, and people are talking about it. And you're like, who is it? Who Quinn? It's Quinn. Yeah, and he's he's the like the chief of detectives or something he's like the, that. He's the t- chief of the homicide bureau. He's played by a guy named Lee Richardson. Yes, who is like famous one of restaurateur Lou- as well. Is that right? Yes, he's one of um, Sidney Lumet's men, and Sidney Lumet's got kind of like a, his little rotating yeah. cast of guys that are all great. Um, but he's but he's sort of like a it, we come to find another kind of a ringleader of all this. But he's mm-hmm. introduced. He's the the kind of guy who's just like I'm the guy who's the boss. I have a weird voice. <laughs> I'm not doing a great. You're impression. not doing it all, yeah. But uh, but he'll but he'll <laughs> but he'll just no, be he like. He does not sound like Giovanni Ribisi at all. Come on, guys. 
<laughs> he's just like laying on the couch and all the cops are like you know they're they speak in the language of of just pure racial they speak in racial epithets mm-hmm. like some sort of code um and he's like ha, 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 yeah but okay find the guys and let's let's take it and uh and he's like the he's try, he's kind of being a little bit of a father figure to Timothy Hutton and stuff and he's just like it's all about the Q&A man just get it just get it done this is cut and dry there's certainly we're not bringing you onto this case because you're uh you're dumb. <laughs> you're dumb. You're dumb. And, you have and, no experience. You're, you're easily manipulated. You're be easily manipulated. Yeah. I actually thought this movie was quite similar to L.A. Confidential in a lot of ways. It's you love L.A. Confidential. I love that movie a lot, quite a bit more than this. It's this is certainly not as fun. This is a much heavier movie, but uh, but it's about they're both about these like like cosmically <laughs> fucked up police corruption situations. Yeah. We're like, well, that's. I generally expect police corruption, but this is so far beyond the pale. Oof. It's really crazy. This is one of the more cynical movies that you'll ever see. Yep. God bless it. So, okay. Um, Brennan claims that he was acting on an informant's tip that he was checking this guy, Tony Vasquez, out. And he's, when he wants to be like nice and friendly, mm-hmm. he can do it. That's, that's one of the reasons he's so scary and powerful is that he can be buddy-buddy with people and make you feel like you're... You know, one of one of the guys, and everyone's like, he's the best. He's the best. You know, he makes people laugh. He's telling jokes, but it's also he's just a harp. Yeah, in turn, and people are constantly like, like, look, he'll crack skulls if he has to, but he's like, the, like they the keep saying he's the finest. Quinn, he's the best cop I've ever known. Mike, this is this is almost like they're talking about Ethan Hunt. Like Mike <laughs> Brennan is the personification of the finest. Mm. I also want to point out this is what Quinn says to Hutton because this kind of like sets the tone. Uh, and like this is a pretty well written movie. Because uh, Hutton's, I think, makes some sort of reference to like feeling bad to the way black people are treated by the justice system. So we're gonna have Harlem, a problem, son. In Harlem, and he's like, "What are you, some sort of liberal? Look, this is, here's my deal. I don't care if a man is black, white, green, or polka dot. You know, when someone says that, I'm like, uh oh, uh, or if their parents tossed him in a garbage can at birth, or if he started wearing women's clothes at 14. If he breaks the law, he pays for it. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. uh, and then we're off. Into a pretty complex, yeah. I mean, a well, pretty complex it's, situation. It's, it seems complicated because I think that the the de- sort of the details are a little bit nebulous to the audience. But by the time it's sewn up, it makes it's really really simple what's going on. Yes. But anyway, so Brennan is claiming to have acted on an informant's tip that that to to track down this Tony Vasquez guy, and that kind of brings in this other organized crime character named. Uh, Roberto Texador, Bobby oh. Tex, <laughs> Bobby Tex. great Armando Sante, Sante. walks oh. off with this movie. He's <laughs> so fucking good, he's and so also fun. just the name Bobby Tex. Bobby Tex, and he's so hot. He's well, very yeah. handsome in this with his long mullet. You and know his who he beard looks like in this? And his little loafers. You know who he looks like in this movie? Mm. Motherfucking Martin Scorsese and Taxi Driver. <laughs> oh he my looks, gosh. He's got the exact same, like, he's got the same beard and, like, hair cut. He looks, I thought he was Martin Scorsese when he was, you well, first sort of see him something. in the background of a room. It was like, is that Marty Scorsese? <laughs> it is Armando Sante. Armando Sante. And Armando Sante, we find out, just as an aside, is going to get married to Timothy Hutton's ex girlfriend. And Timothy Hutton, his ex girlfriend, dumped him. When he found out that her father was black and was a little bit instantly surprised by this, he claims that it was just like, 
I, I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not a racist. I was just, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, who fucking cares what she's you like? She's like, I saw the look on your face. Yeah, that's it. Also, a weird she is, she's played by Jenny Lumet, who's yep. the daughter of Sydney. Yep. And, and she also wrote Rachel, Rachel getting, getting married. married. Yeah. Well, a great film. Let me she's let cool. me just. I wish she would have acted more because she's she's good in this. So good in this, I've, and she's gorgeous. Oh my god. Couldn't disagree more. I think she's terrible in this. Oh, movie. she's good. I think she's is the Sophia Coppola situation we oh. have here, where especially there's one scene where she is where she ha- has to do where she's where she's yelling is, at him to get out of my house. Throwing her in the fucking deep end of the pool shit right here. I think she's where great. She has I, thought, to be like, I thought she was very realistically freaking out about things. No, I, I well, I mean, we all have our opinions. I, I think I somebody's was, being a misogynist over I, here, I Travis. Was, wow, Travis didn't know you hated women. Yeah, exactly. I hate nepo babies. <laughs> nepo babies. Um, no, but I thought it was like Sophia, a Sophia Coppola thing. We're like, well, we can't. Well, that this isn't gonna work. <laughs> but then she found success behind the camera, and good, God bless her. She's like heavily involved in Star Trek stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. does a lot of Star Trek stuff. Still doing all kinds of shit to this day. Doing yep. very well. Go and on. all she needed, all she needed was <laughs> extremely famous father uh, well, we all but, I, but I, I think she's terrible you guys thought she was great I she was great uh, that's why but I, I, I just loved this movie <laughs> it was front like to back. high school level performance but the uh <laughs> that's an important wrinkle into the story and uh and bobby tex knows all about it there's a really good scene where bobby tex comes into comes to timothy hutton and he's like if i fucking find you sniffing around my old lady he's like pointing his finger at him this is in front of everybody in front of everybody at the q a session yeah it's <laughs> like if, I, if i get a, if i find you sniffing around my lady i'm gonna fucking kill you he's like oh you know just threatening him and timothy hutton goes if you point your fucking finger at me again i'm gonna break it off and shove it up your ass and then he just goes so i guess we're both warned so yeah both i love warned. that there's some good face-offs in this yeah. movie q a there's the movie q a yeah. for you <laughs> Just uh, people threatening each other and just dropping racial epithets. I, lo- I love that scene. as fuck. In that very scene, we don't get enough of them, but a little actor named Fivish Finkel is in <laughs> yeah, there. He's the lawyer. He's only in it for about five minutes. He's a mafia but... lawyer. These two Italian mafiosi. Uh, what Frankie a guy. Pesh. Squ- Frankie Pesh. He'll show up again later. Frankie Pesh. Yeah, I squeal whenever I see Fivish Finkel. That's he's a really so funny scene, too, where he's like, my client is going to plead the fifth. Yeah. And and Timothy Hutton is like, really? Does your client want to plead the fifth? Because, you know, I could do all this other shit to fucking blackmail him and all this stuff. And Five Ishvinko is like, well, give me one second here. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, uh, what is, uh, what is um, Tim Hutton's... Uh, uh, Tim Al- Hutton's boss. Aloysius Al Francis Riley is Timothy Hutton's name. He says... Uh- <laughs> He says this. Ow. He says like this is the guy. This is the reason why they call Jews, and, and then he uses a racial epithet yes. sort of thing. But he's a, a Jewish person too. I mean, it's this whole thing is just Irish Jews, black, yeah. just back. Like everybody's. It's a melting pot. A, it's a real <laughs> a melting pot of hatred. Yeah. But then oftentimes it's of course sold as like affectionate. So Pimmy Hutton has some doubts about the the shooting, basically because of all the stuff that people keep saying. All the racism, you know, he's just like... And, and he, some of the witnesses aren't matching Some up. of the witnesses aren't matching up. And they are... They start to discover that there's some kind of link between Brennan and Quinn. And they need to find... And I was a little nebulous about why they need to find Roger Montalvo, the witness. Roger the Dodger. What does Roger the Dodger know? I, I'm not going to be able to help in a lot. Like, I didn't know yeah. what was going on a lot so of the time. He... Well, we know what Roger knows. We find that out later. But why are they looking for him right now? I just had to take it as a matter of course whenever they go he, into another room. He is and the make like, or break witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, but I couldn't figure that, out how they knew that. 
beyond that? Yeah, I wasn't sure how they figured that out. Maybe it was in some kind of file. I don't yeah, remember. I don't know. It's one character who's a drag queen introduces us to another character who's a drag queen who is played by none other than Paul, Paul Calderon. Yeah. I think we just talked about him in the last episode, too. He was in four too. rooms. He, yeah, he was in four rooms. That's right. He's in tons of shit. My yeah. name's Paul. This is Between Y'all, mm-hmm. star of TV's Bosch, which is fun because there's a character named Bosch in this movie as well. <laughs> Um, but yes, Paul Calderon is a drag queen, and he and he's Ralph or what? What's <laughs> his name is Roger. Roger, Roger, Roger. Montalvo. They yeah. call him. They keep calling Roger him Roger the Dodger. the Dodger. Roger the Dodger. Because nobody can find him. There you go. And uh, Bobby is trying to find him before Brennan finds him. It's a race to find this guy. Yes. And then uh, Brennan basically is like get, starting to get paranoid. And he's like, more so. They're gonna try to stick it to me. And he starts intimidating not just witnesses that he finds, but like he goes to Luis Guzman and is like, well, you, "I'm gonna make, I'm gonna give you fucking ten thousand dollars to to tank this case for me, and you're gonna do it." Brennan's the kind of guy who if he finds out he's in trouble. It's he's gonna make things worse. Yeah. And then Chappie, the George, the George, the Charles Dutton character, he's uh, he's like more trusting of Brennan. They, just they were like BFFs. He yeah. saved his ass in the Marines Oh in yeah, the quote, war. quote, he stepped in front of a bullet for me once, caught it in his left hand and shoved it up the punk's ass. Yeah. I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah. Frankly, I, don't believe that I think that might be exaggerated. Yeah. Amazing, but it's like, and at one point, Timothy Hutton's like, well, how do you feel about all this racism, basically? And the guy's like, at least he says it out loud. Yeah. So that's another kind of... Great. Yeah. <laughs> talking about like I mean, a true I, psychopath. You know, that, I mean, that is fucked up that he ha- that he thinks that it's fucked up that he has to think about it that way. Yeah, you know. Uh, I also want to point out before Charles we, is very good in this before movie, we forget that because uh, we're gonna we're gonna see him in the next movie too. Mm-hmm. But Uncle Junior is in this Uncle movie. June. June's a witness. Yep. Um, and he plays a, a gangster guy. Of yes. Course. <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> enough, isn't he Frankie Pesh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he. I don't know. No, he has a. Yeah, Maybe his no, Falcone. I'm, I'm getting this. Movie oh, he's Falcone. He's Falcone. Or Franconi. See, something. the thing is, w- watching the last two of these movies so close together, <laughs> they blended a little they bit. They blended That's gonna a be little tough. bit. That's going to be tough. For the names, and you know, since we see kind of an actor, there's actor, a, there's crossover. actor crossover, and the movies are extremely similar yeah. plot wise. Yeah. Well, uh, this is, the, but this is a line from uh, Uncle June. I got a poultry business to run. I got no time for jerking around. That's a good point. Easily, he's got easily such heard. a great voice. I know. I can hear every line. Yeah. Uh, and then, so there's, uh, like, the race is on to find Montalvo, and and Bobby Tex is like, he kind of wants to get out of the drug business in New York. Also, Bobby Tex is a good partner to Al's, like, ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he's, like, he's she, providing, yeah. she was like, you know, he, like, cares about me, he's making sure my mom's okay, he's making sure my brothers are okay, and we never at any point see him be shitty to her at never all. Never once. She, she legitimately cares about him as well. Yeah, so, and she's she's point blank is like, he accepts me for who I am, he takes care of me, he loves me, I feel loved and, accept, loved and accepted I, by him, and I didn't from you. I really like that, that yeah. aspect of the relationship, that it wasn't like he was just some gangster guy who was abusive, and now she's, she's like, the victim stuck with him. I liked how yeah. it's like, actually, it's a little more complex than how Timothy Hutton's viewing mm-hmm. it. And I like that there are multiple occasions in this where Timothy Hutton does indeed go sniffing around her and try to win her back, and, and she's, she's just like, like "No, she's I don't want the fuck away from you." Yeah. She has that. It. She has that great scene where she describes how she got the ick, basically, and she's like, <laughs> "You know how you can be in love with someone, and then like the, this tiny little thing will happen, and then you go, I don't love you anymore.'" That was when that you see him with <laughs> yeah. slippers on and nothing else. Yeah, or something yeah, like, something and you're like, like that. Nah, it's over. Yep. Or she said she was fucking some guy and he had his socks on still. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Right. Which is a thing that if you're in the, within the sound of my voice, gentlemen, don't ever do that. But if you're really cold, no, get under the covers. Get under the covers for God's sakes. 
Cover up, man. Did you see that movie, Kimmy? Yeah. She, the dude that's boning her in that movie fucks her with his socks on, and I was just like, this poor lady. <laughs> that movie's good. It is good, but that part's sad. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it's sad. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. There's a fantastic scene where Guzman and Armando Sante square off, and it's all done in, in a, like, a wide, I wrote that a down, wide yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just yelling they're at like each nose other. They're nose to nose. And they're, and they're nose to nose. It's, they're saying really mean things to each other. So and then it resolves with them like going like, all right, look, I'm sorry. We both got out of it. And then they hug each other. They're like, we're from the same community. We just do this sometimes. You're, a, you're beautiful, man. A <laughs> couple of PRs, as they say. And uh, it's 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 because sometimes the movie's pretty funny like that. Yeah, the shot that shot too was crazy because it, yeah, it's it's a wide it's like back and we just see yeah. them and then we see everyone on either sides of them watching this whole thing go down. This is Armand Asante becoming a star and Luis Guzman becoming yeah. a star. Like th- these these two guys, like well these guys, we won't be seeing the last of them. These guys are pretty good. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, it's really funny. And this is also where we kind of like gradually find out because we're first introduced to all these cops and they're all just like racism, racism, <laughs> racial epithet. And then it gradually like it sifts out and you're like, Luis Guzman is actually a decent man. Yeah. He's a uh, Charles S. Dutton is decent too, but he's compromised by his loyalties. Uh, so this is, I mean, there's lots of complexities oh, going on in we this for- movie. We forgot to mention Bloomy. Bloom, uh, Blumenfeld, who is uh, Timothy Hutton's sort of mentor in the district oh, attorney's gosh. office, Bloomy, you're breaking and who my is heart. Like, telling him all about Quinn. He's like, Quinn is a fucking racist. Oh, wait, here's prick. The, here's yeah. he goes, how's your boss? And Timothy Hunt's like, oh, he's great. He's kind of strict or whatever. And then he just goes, actually, he's a prick and a racist. Fuck him now and forever. Yeah. 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 He tells the story about where they put the. They he, probably he put a likely to, innocent kid behind bars. He, he, worked, and he no, fried. to the death penalty. Hope he did like, it. He really fought for this guy to have the death penalty. They, they threw the switch. And then he comes in and goes, I sure hope he was guilty. And then he laughed. Yeah. He laughed and laughed. He's like a real fucking psycho. Yes. <laughs> he's, and he's probably. Fuck him. He's just one of the many, many evil cops in this entire movie. This is a a movie much uh, actually reminded me of To Live and Die in L.A. for a couple things, because the music is a little like weirdly, Mm -hmm. this uh, doesn't quite fit the tone. But then also, this is a movie that is reactionary yeah. and not and not propaganda, much like To Live and Die in L.A., where it is like, this world is a fucking cesspool, and, oh, and man. the animals on the street are taking over, but at the same time, and the cops are bad, too. Uh, there's, I mean, Nick Nolte has this incredible monologue where he's talking to Timothy Hutton about his dad. Yeah. And he's like, he knew there was a line that they wouldn't cross, or that they had to cross to get into people's throats. And he, when he says they, he uses several horrible slurs in a row. <laughs> Uh, I can't say any of them except junkies, which isn't, you know. Uh, and he's, I am that line. <laughs> and then Damn. the fucking judger, judges and lawyers, aldermen and, and guinea DAs are raking it in. We take a fucking hamburger, and it's goodbye badge, gun, and pension. And all the time, it's our lives that are on the line. It's our win- It's our widows and orphans. It's so, yeah, it's so much. Orphans. It's such bullshit, too. Yeah. He's, he's so good at like, it. Like, all these oh guys go on with his self righteous horseshit like this, and then we find out by the end that he is, like, in with the mob. Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, we do this and that, Penny. And he's, like, a, literally, like, a mob. <laughs> he's, like, getting a, paid you know, out so much money. He can't be more corrupt than that, dude. Yeah. Like, you're killing people, and you're in with the mob. He's like, ah, we'll just take a burger here and there. God, you can't do fucking anything. Oh God, come on, man! It is. It might be the. I don't know if it's the best multi performance, but man, it's I'm, quintessential. I'm, I, think it's, it's I haven't favorite. seen a lot, but yeah. this is the best I've seen. 
it's I, I I can't say enough. He couldn't be more unpleasant and scary. And you're also like, when's he? I can't wait to see him again. Yeah, what's this crazy <laughs> guy gonna fucking come amazing. and do? There's a there's also a really good scene towards the beginning when all the cops are just joking around, waiting for the court stenographer, who's really fucking funny in this, uh, to to show up to take the Q and A. He's Q&A. super old. He's super fucking old. Oh, yeah. And 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 uh, Valentine and Chappie are all just hurling jokey racial insults at each other. And this other this other older cop there is like, gentlemen, you are both in violation of department directives. Like making a joke. You guys aren't supposed to say words like that. I think and he says you're not supposed to use epithets to racial epithets were not permitted. Yeah, and he's like uh, Guzman is like, excuse me, sir, who's racist? Me and Chappie? We're the minorities, man. You're you're damn lucky to get us. He says, if we quit, some federal judge will take away your money. Mm. Brennan ain't no racist. He hates everybody. Mm-hmm. Equal opportunity hater. We love to hear that Heard phrase. A lot of racists it. say that. Yeah, I hate everybody. <laughs> but mostly <laughs> minorities. At one point, Nick Nolte is talking. He's he's he shakes down. Uh, Louis Guzman and says like I'm gonna make you take ten thousand dollars from so me scary. in front of his kid to to like tank this case and then he goes to Chappie and first of all they go to a gay bar which is really fucking weird mm-hmm. but you I find the, out I some stuff the, about that I liked the uh, how it looked oh yeah bar. the the bar looked amazing yeah. all up. these interiors in in all three of these movies really fucking hit home for me yeah. I loved it it's and really funny they get into the gay bar and he's like I remember these places used to be livelier it's because they turned off the music and they're all just like isn't uh, it and like they're the all afternoon like, too or and, something but like the people that are there are like getting up and leaving while they're there yeah, the cops, yeah I don't want to be around but it's like it's like a dark cozy dive with a bunch of neon lights and shit. But he sits, he sits Chappie down and he goes, Chappie, you're the whitest black man I know. Yeah, he says okay. variations of that quite a bit. Okay. Um, Charles S. Dutton, of course, his whole deal is like, I'm not black, I'm blue. Yes, and that comes up uh, again. Or, in, or, or if I'm in Manhattan. the Marines, then I'm green. Mm-hmm. And like his whole thing. Like, yeah. Great. I mean, the, the, the way, the, this, this dynamic, this power dynamic between all these characters is really what, what powers the movie. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the two, uh, two hours, 12 minutes, yeah. too. It's just a lot of movie. And then there's the gay subtext stuff with Mike. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. interesting and terrifying. Interesting. Oh, God. Well, there's a scene in it. Well, there's. A, I, I don't want. I can't stress this enough. If if we're making this movie sound, it, this is a very good movie. If we're making it sound like it's fun, it's not it's fun. Pretty kind of not fun. And there's a lot of scenes in it that are in deliberately. It's incredibly dark and hard harrowing to watch. and yeah. hard to watch. And and prob- possibly at the top of the list is where he he uh, hassles a bunch of sex workers on the street. Yeah. And then he grabs oh, one God. of them and like and it's a trans uh, sex worker and he reaches into her. Pants. First of all, he's he's, like, he insists on dead naming her. Yep. And then, like, yeah, reaches into oh, her. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he insists on it. It's brutal. That's the whole point of what he's doing yes. to this person is like, Your name's Sylvester, right? Yeah. She's like, Sophia. It's like, It's fucking Sylvester. It's fucking harsh. Yeah. And it's supposed to be. There's a there's a bit later on where Paul Calderon is complaining about Brennan trying to hunt him down, and he basically says, like, He's gay. Yeah. They, they all are, he says. And then someone goes like, but you guys always say that about yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. homophobes or whatever. But yeah. it turns out to be the case in this situation. Or, or something like that is going on. Yeah. He, he, he has some kind of trauma around that that is it certainly powers even more of his brutality. He lives an unexamined life, let's say. Yeah, let's put it that way. <laughs> it's very horrible. He's a star of stage and screen and cocksucking, right? Oh boy! Yeah, Jesus Christ! Yeah, nasty. A lot of lots of nasty stuff. Lots and a lot, of, nasty lot stuff. of scenes where you're just like, God damn! Um, it's brutal. But eventually, we do we do track down uh, Roger the Dodger. Um, Armand Asante finds him first. Bobby Tex finds him first, and uh, they Bobby Tex. Oh, we forgot about how the Italians try to kill Bobby Tex. 
Mm-hmm. But he manages to turn the tables on him. Bobby Tex is very smart. He's very smart. He hires these two these two Puerto Rican cokeheads, as everybody keeps calling them, as bodyguards. They're, I think they're Jewish Cubans. Yeah, they're Cubans. They oh, call, they're, they, they're Cubans. They, they call, call them but the they Cubans. call them something yeah. else. Yeah. You can, uh, you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that like he he turns the tables on them, and then they find they find Montalvo, and uh, they take him to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, and hide him on Bobby's boat called the Nancy. Called the Nancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which Nancy. is the name of his which is the name of the woman, his wife. And Jenny Lumet. Jenny Lumet. He's not having a terrible time. No, but he doesn't like boats. Yeah, but he, <laughs> they're like they're not like, you know, they're not like imprisoning him. Yeah. They're just taking him away. And basically, uh Bobby for, at that point Bobby Tex calls Al Riley, calls Timothy Hutton and says, "I've got Roger. He's the witness you need, and he's going to tell you that what's going on is that Quinn, who we have found out has very, very heavy aspirations to become the governor, or, or the DA? You know, he want, hes running for governor. Yeah, I mean, he's, eventually, he's ambitious. Like he—he's he, going to be governor soon, but he needs to sort of rise through the ranks. Maybe even the president. <laughs> right. Yes. And uh, and he is basically. He killed somebody a long time ago, and there's this sort of hanging over him. On the streets when he was known as Skinny. When he was known as Skinny, and he was a complete maniac. Apparently, yeah. Like this is this is like maniacs think that this guy's a maniac sort of thing. Yeah, like, we're all maniacs. <laughs> that guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, and uh, he has been using Brennan, who he's got blackmail info on, to basically execute anybody who could inform on him and reveal his secrets. Yeah, and uh, so Timothy Hutton takes uh, Valentine and a new cop, who they call the Virgin, because he's never pulled his gun. And he's been on the force for a long time. For a really and they long can't time. bring Chappie. Come back into play. They can't bring Chappie because Chappie's too close to Brennan. Yeah. And he's a lawyer. And they think he might Chappie might be giving information to Brennan, but they're not sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm Chappie. I'm a lawyer. Uh anyway, they go to Puerto Rico to depose Roger and then come back. Yeah. Brennan also finds his way to Puerto Rico. <laughs> Dude, that Rico. scene was so funny when it's like they're sh- they're show and it- I don't know if it's even meant to be funny or at all because it kind of seemed out of nowhere. But it's like Timothy Hutton and them are all like at the front of the line to get on the plane, and they're all like, "Okay, you guys, like we're just gonna go in and out. We're not gonna be hanging out. Like it's not gonna be." Yeah. And then you, the camera goes down this long cool line of shot. people, and then he's just, <laughs> and then Brennan's just holding up a newspaper yeah. and then lowers <laughs> it so you can see his face. It was like, so cartoony. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. And Nick Nolte, if we haven't described him, like every aspect Hulking of the man. way that this, de- that he this character is fleshed pounds out. to do this. I believe yeah, it. He's, he he's, has slicked back hair. He's this it's greasy. fucked up huge mustache. Yeah. And it's always like flying in different directions. It's just, it's just the mustache itself is terrifying. And like his coat, his body is so big, he looks like that David Byrne suit. He just <laughs> but, but he like fits he's, it. He's just, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's but he's like, like bursting at the of, seams of it almost. Yeah. He's yeah. like a slab of concrete, this guy. He's fucking terrifying. Before we get to the Puerto Rican adventure, I want to oh. talk about my favorite, possibly That's my, my favorite, favorite part scene. of Disneyland. <laughs> Disney's Puerto Rican adventure? Sounds all right. Yeah. Sounds like it'd be fun. Get yeah. a pork chop. Uh, but yes, there's a scene where Nick Dolte kind of realizes that Tim, because like in the beginning, the first half of the movie, he's kind of like, Tim Martin, you and me are going to be pals. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but at this moment, he like he goes up, he's like, I think Tim Hutton Tim might be turning against me. Or and, trying to uh, pin it on me. Valentine. And he goes up to him and he's like, and he's still in kind of like, 
This is where you jocular see. This is where most. you see him switch from jocular to evil, and yeah. it's like the, probably the best acting Nolte does in the whole movie. But he goes up to t- Tim Hutton, and they're like on the docks or something. Well, like somebody that. somebody uh, threw a rock into a squad car, and the squad car went into the river. And That's right. Some cops got hurt. Fucking animals. You lose control. Animals jungle. Everybody. Uh, but he but he goes. This, this is where he's like making one last effort to kind of like swing sway yeah. this, the the greenhorn to his side. And this I love. It's so funny how like badly he he just can't do it. He just he he goes into it. And he goes. Like, I think because this guy is trying to bust him for being a crooked cop and a murderer, being a brutal crooked cop. And so he goes like, Oh, Tim Hutton, I think you got the wrong idea about me. Now, of course, everybody knows I. Play even kicking ass. <laughs> okay, let me tell you this one time I find some black guy on the street, I'll kick his fucking ass. And you're like, you're not doing a good job arguing your case, buddy. He's like, I was the baddest motherfucker on the street when I was on the street. And I'll kick everybody's ass and I'm super corrupt. Oops. Um, but like during this scene, he's using his physicality and he is eight times bigger in mass than Tim Hutton. Yeah. And he's like, at this point, like holding his face with his giant meaty pork God, chop hand. Imagine being he, your face being held like, by that de- hand. Delicately like stroking his face and just going like <laughs> just going like come on man you gotta like help me out here. And then Tim Hutton kind of go, just goes like if justice goes uh, you know in the direction then it's justice goes or whatever and you see him in this great it's probably like 10 seconds long his face just fall so from him going oh, from God. his eyes he being like ah, to it's dark yeah, it's like so he switches gnarly. up, and then he goes, I got to stand here and take this shit from Kevin Riley's little boy. I wish you were dead. <laughs> and if your father was here, he'd raise a glass to that, too. Yeah. Damn. Which I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I hope that's not true. You imagine where, like, you know, actors are sensitive people. Nick, where do you think Nick Nolte had to go to get this guy? God. You know what I mean? Because, like, you've seen, I've, you know... I imagine he's probably, you know, Dick Nick Dolte certainly likely has demons, but he, I, can ima- I can also imagine this man being tender. Not Mike Brennan, but Nick Nolte. A tender, you know what I mean? A tender I love maker. I ever want to get an idea of what Nick Nolte's kind of like as a human being, and it's actually, surprisingly, I, I don't know, it's, it's pleasing. Uh, there's a, a commentary track that he did for a movie called Mother Night. Oh, yeah. It's not a well-loved movie or anything like that, but he does solo a commentary track over the whole thing. And I will say, Nick Nolte is fucking crazy, <laughs> but also like in a kind of a in kind of a winning way. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Like, do you he think he'd be a like a good gra- he'd be like a good grandpa? This oh, I would love I, for him to be my grandpa. The, yeah, he's the seems shit like a, that he's even saying, if you even if he's terrible. The shit I would that love he's the saying, Santa Claus version to be my grandpa. <laughs> yeah, it's just imagine like absolutely batshit crazy come rantings. Here, come here, that, that so aren't, let's go. Like, everyone's sitting on his knees. Yeah. You, how many strippers do you think we could get into this room, son? <laughs> Let's go. He's he's kind of <laughs> mystical. He's kind of like he's kind of like um, full We're gonna go take some ayahuasca tonight. This is like you know, li- <laughs> <laughs> you like menthols, son? He's gonna quote philosophers <laughs> at you and stuff like that, and, and like you I'm know, sure. Derrida told me that if I smoked <laughs> enough cools, I'd see through time. Yeah, like that kind of shit. He's like I'm pleasingly sure he smokes insane. A, a big Duberson now and again. <laughs> You know, yeah, you like, I mean, do you like pornos? Do you like pornos, son? Give you a boner. <laughs> you ever want to watch Nick Nolte essentially playing himself? There's a little movie called The Good Thief, mm. where he has to like recover from his heroin addiction so he can go do a, te- a textbook of uh, heist. Uh, it's it's a really good movie. Neil Jordan, I believe. Yeah, mm. sort of a remake of Bob Le Flambeau. Bob Le Flambeau, exactly. Yeah, really good. And he's and he's like the good guy in that. Oh, so. God, <laughs> I'm a good thief here. Okay, <laughs> not, not as much of uh, this sort of thing. And Wait he up. can do it all. 
Uh, but anyways, yes, they go to they go to Puerto Rico, and this is where, like I was saying, the the thriller part mm-hmm. of the movie kicks in because they they take they take Roger's statement basically, but then um, then Nick Nolte gets a hold of him. Nick Nolte, uh, he's a he's kind of like hanging out by this guy. Well, by there's the this boat. there's this great shot where like. The, the camera, like, they leave, and the camera's, like, tracking down the docks, mm-hmm. and there's Nick Nolte just, like, sweating it out on a boat. The a captain of the boat. In the, in the yacht. The captain of the, whoever is the captain of the boat, some guy, like, he hates finds, Roger, finds Roger with his boyfriend in bed. Throws the boyfriend, and throws the boyfriend off the boat, and yeah. then the camera pans back, and you see Nolte just sort of, like, hanging out in some other boat. And he's got, like, a full bottle of rum inside in his, in his jacket pocket. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> and, is, uh, uh, and he goes over, he's and he, spiraling. he cuts the fuel line. Yeah, he gets Paul Calderon to call um, Armando Sante and have him come over first. Yeah. He's like, say what you got to say, but get his ass over here. God, that and was scary. He him. Yeah. He kills him and, and he strangles him. And, and this and this is the same as what happens with uh, the other drag queen character in the movie. He strangles two of them Yeah, in, in both very disturbing scenes. The movie's very disturbing. Um, well, it's like after making Roger's, after like Roger kind of sexually assaulting, sexually him assaulting him. like Roger's yeah. doing cocaine and he's like, "Can I have a blow too? Can I have a blow? Can I have not a different like, kind of blow like that?" And yeah. then he's like, "No, turn around." It's really horrible. Yeah. And um, and then so yeah, Armando Sante and one of his bodyguards show up and Dolce <laughs> blows the boat up. He's like in the water and he's yeah. cut the in the water's like the gas is like leaked. De- and there's All a great the shot. The, yeah, that's, a, the that's the long shot. Yeah. The, the dock, and really that, cool. That music starts to come on too. And he sets it on fire. Now there's a boat explosion in this crime drama. Yeah. This movie that I thought was a st- straightforward crime drama. Unbelievable. Uh, and things get escalate even further from here. Yeah, because then like Brennan's basically like I got nothing else to lose. Yeah. And he shows up at. At Quinn's office. Yeah, we've already seen him have this meeting with the mafia guys. Yeah, and that, that's also really fun. Uh, Uncle June is here. This is this is earlier on, but this is where the mafia, where he's going like, "You mafia guys, I'm on your side, and you better help me out here." And then they're like, "Sure thing, we will." And then he leaves and like, "Well, <laughs> that's like, we got to take care of him now. <laughs> We're gonna have to kill that guy." <laughs> so he's he's just got no chance, and he's. <laughs> He's our, he's lived his whole life like he was having a nervous breakdown, and now it's now he's really cracking. Yeah, he goes into the office, and uh, Charles S. Dutton, like he's confronting Timothy Hutton, probably saying some mean stuff to him, shouting at him, if you will. And then, uh, and then Charles S. Dutton is kind of like, "Hey, don't make me like put you in cuffs. Just like surrender, okay?" Yeah. <laughs> and he fucking blows him away. He's his his fucking buddy. He shot Chaffee. Blows him. I mean, he says, "I'm Chaffee. Some- I'm dead." He says, you are the uh, yes. a fucked up variation of you are the whitest black man I ever knew. Blows him away. And then and there's a huge, terrifying gunfight in the fucking office of the police. People are sc- you hear people think, screaming? Like, three people die? Yeah. And then the virgin comes out and shoots the Nick vir- Nolte. Virgin, the virgin, right the guy neck. who hasn't killed anybody, I was, shoots I was Nolte. stoked for him. Yeah. And then Even he, though that sucks. <laughs> and, then, and then Nick Nolte dies like, I can't believe I got taken out by a virgin. Yeah. You know, another slur. Yeah. He, his last words died. were some bigoted trash. Apparently not too weird to die, this guy. Yeah. Uh, but he's gone, and there's about 15 minutes left, and then we save all of the most, all of the most cynical, yes. tragic, bleak stuff for the very end. Where, uh, who, who, what's, what's, um, Bloomy. Tim Hutton's Bloomy, who has always been like oh, presented himself as kind of like, look, I, everything's all fucked up, but we got to do what we can, sort of thing. And Bloomy's going like, we're going to cover it. We're going to cover it up. It's, like, too it's, it's too big. It's too big. We have to bury this. It's too big. <laughs> I was like, how are we 
even going to break. We just, I like, we the, were gonna I like do the part it. where Timothy Hutton is like it's sad. I could I can go to the press and he's like, yeah, talk to uh, talk to what's the village voice. Talk to Jimmy Breslin and Nick Pilecki. They're friends Nick, of mine. I'll Nick give you Pilecki. their numbers. I'll give you their numbers. Writer of Goodfellas, which came out this same year. Yeah, oh, that's funny. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it was really sad. I really like Bloomy. He goes paper burns at Fahrenheit 451. He really does. He's like, you ever been and to the goes, actual records office? They, they go back never to 1791. Yeah. Shit's always been this fucked up, and there's nothing we can do about it yeah. except pick up the pieces. <laughs> and it's just sort of like nothing's going to happen. It's too big. We'll bury it. Uh, and then he then he leaves the office and Tim Oof. Hutton just smashes everything. Up. He smashes, smashes all, windows. all the windows. All the, all the people are running out, and I'm like, man, emotional cop day at the office. <laughs> it's been, it's been a, a rough day. one. Like just the people who were there, like uh, like who were like, like the secretaries and like, shit. I hate this fucking job. Man. I'm gonna get a job at the bank. Three people died and robbed. Guys smashed. It was all in one day. Ugh. And I like I like how he does that. Everybody runs out screaming, and then Bloomy just goes, uh, "Call maintenance, call maintenance." Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one of those guys who learned how the system works smashed everything. You know how it is. Yeah, the guy the guy in the maintenance room picks up. He's like, "Uh huh, uh huh." Oh, he found another out the thing. Those? Yeah, okay. About every two weeks, <laughs> somebody finds out how the system works. Yeah, grim. I wonder what makes Sad. it turn. Who cares? Cindy Lumet will occasionally do these movies that just really push the hysteronics and the and the drama to I mean, it. This like, is like a pure melodrama. It's terrific. Yeah, if you ever watch, if you ever want to see just like a movie that's pushing this to the nth degree, is a movie called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it might be his last movie. I'm not entirely sure, but one of the last. And it's just you won't believe how yeah. how tragic and sad and bleak things get in that <clears> film. <throat> Oof. Uh, but that's and he, he like the last part is he's at the beach and he's like once again I, I don't find any of this stuff engaging this this stuff with Sidney Lumet's daughter um, and he's just I like I hope this, that you this, can love me someday. This scene at the, this last scene at the end where he's like you know I will I will leave if you tell me to leave, but if you you know but I'm gonna stay until you tell me to go because I believe that we're supposed to be together and not, by now by now Bobby Tex is also dead mm-hmm. and she's I like mean, come on, she's like actively dead. crying over yeah. her dead husband. And it's like get the out of here, Timothy she's, she's, but It's d- been three days. She's been doing nothing but telling this guy to leave her alone for so fucking long. She hasn't long. given any hints that yeah. she's receptive to No, she's, she's been weird. clear, quite clear. Yeah. I mean, I think that her performance is really good and the story is interesting, but I think that this last moment needs to go. No, it doesn't. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. And then... Don't double cross the huh. ones you love. So good. Also, I think that last scene only like reinforces like how naive and stupid this guy is. Yeah. And it's like, are we supposed to think that he's grown from this at all? That's like uh, like a lot of it is this voice like towards the end is this voiceover going like, why did they pick me to do this? Because I'm fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I was me, meant to fuck idiot. all this up. Oh <laughs> shit. Uh, All right, yeah, don't double-cross the ones you love, you guys. Quite, quite a picture. Open uh, blades. I liked, uh, I mean, some of the, It's almost everything, at least in the first half, is just people busting each other's balls in a racial manner. But this is, uh, I think, I think Dutton talking to um, Louise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes like, "I swear, I'll, I'll see you in heaven." Or Louis says something about heaven or whatever. And he goes, "The only way you'll get to heaven is if they have their groceries delivered." <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's a there's, the people really put a lot of time into the the racial jokes. I enjoyed uh, one one line that we can say that Brendan has that I that you can actually repeat is that you fuck with me, you better bash a kidney stone through your heart on. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. That's the line of the movie. As far as uh, like, <laughs> damn, who wrote that? Raise your hand. Who wrote that? You're not in trouble. <laughs> you're not, you're not, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I just want to have a word with you. 
this is uh, what's what's his boss's name again? Quinn. Quinn. No, the 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 lawyer boss. Oh, Bloomy. 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 Blumenfeld. This is when we first meet him, and then he's then he's like talking about how back in my day Jews didn't drink, and one of my parents had this one song that they used to sing, and he sings it in Yiddish first, and then he goes like, I think hey, hey, with the li- the translation is something like a drunk is a gentile, he has to drink because he's a gentile. I'm like I think that loses something in the translation. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> sound that good. Uh, poultry, Uncle June and his poultry business. This is a, a, quite a quite a movie. There's a lot. Of, almost everything is some sort of crazy line. Hmm. Uh, I like this one too. This this is the rare good line in the movie that has nothing to do with profanity or bleakness at all. But so they, there had to be one. But Hutton is like broke is like sulking <clears throat> because of the shit with his ex girlfriend, and I think Louise goes, uh, kind of looks like you're. Uh, oh you, yeah. Uh, the other day it looked like you were still hurting, and he goes. Every little breeze. Yeah, that's a good one. Jeez, man! Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think that's good enough. You get the, you get the yeah. idea. Piss in the kidney, throats too much. Hard on. What? Wow. Uh, ratings. I'm gonna give this four juds. Mm. Thought it was electric. Just a great, terrific pot boiler, man. And mm-hmm. I and uh, you know, as unpleasant as all of it is, the dialogue is just fucking crackerjack stuff. It's great. Yeah, kind of a hell of a movie. Hell of a movie. I'm going to give it two Douglases for the copious and horrifying sexual subtext with Nick Nolte. Yes. And I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 Ruben Blades bangers. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm delighted that that song is in this movie three times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like it, but uh, you'll, you can you can decide for yourselves when you, le- when you hear it at the end of this uh, episode. Uh, I'm also going to give it four. I don't know if I'm going to like be like all that excited to come back to this movie anytime. Uh. <laughs> uh, it is like like in Mick Nolte's performance is great and fun to watch, but there's a, like a, the movie's disturbing and is supposed to be disturbing and is and and then at the end it leaves you with a little bit of like just hardcore bleakness, <laughs> existential bleakness at the end. So there you go. Hope you had fun. <laughs> uh, here's another uh, line that <laughs> just fuck you, fart maker. That's pretty good. <laughs> Someone says. <laughs> Uh, I'll give it one and a half. Um, I, 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 the movie does have a lot of sympathy for the for the gay characters, which is you know, for 1990. You got to you got to take what you can get, even though of course the the tedious trope of gay characters ending up <coughs> getting brutalized. This does not uh, overcome that, no, unfortunately. But <laughs> kind of nobody does. Yeah. This is a, this is a movie where everybody gets brutalized. It's a brutal film, and. Um, uh, I'm going to give it 10 out of 10. Chappies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give it four Juds as well. I really liked this one for all the reasons you guys said. Nick Dolte, absolutely phenomenal and super terrifying. Um, yeah, it was just it was just great. Uh, every character was interesting. Um, I'm going to give it three Douglases for all the messed up sexual assault stuff and the terrible, terrible just racism <laughs> and and ways of behaving towards uh, gay people and transgendered people. Um, and I'm going to give it uh, a boat called the Nancy. Mm. La Nancy. Okay. All right. 
Oh, okay. And now it's time for the the less the least of these three. I don't agree. In my I think opinion. that I think that uh, morning after is the least. I Me also too. really really liked this. I really? like this. Too I've a seen lot. this a bunch of times though. I thought I was gonna like it in the first half, and it really lost me in the I second half. I think this has a, such a weird kind of epic feel to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of wish it was like twenty minutes longer. It's a little <laughs> bit too tight. Oof. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I feel like, like I wanted it, it to drag like out a little bit more. It feels like it should be like. This guy, I don't know. Yeah. It's but I, I love this movie. I think this is really good. This is like good old-fashioned Sidney Lumet, like morality tale. De- it definitely you know? is that. It's even structured as such. Yeah, and it is very similar to Q&A, it, just in terms Lumet of, in likes terms of to theme. tell a story of corruption. Yeah. Greenhorn DA guy dealing with police corruption, trying to get turned. And it kind of comes hurt. And it kind of comes to different conclusions, slightly different conclusions yeah. than the, than the last one. And and that might be one of the reasons why I don't like it as much. But also, it's got uh, Andy Garcia in it, who I seldom like, and he's the main character of the movie. What's this guy's like deal, that. Andy Garcia? <laughs> he's in too much stuff. I don't. We're not enough. Know if I know? I know the name. Oh, by the mo- by the way, the movie is called Nightfall. Night Night oh, yeah, 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 yeah. His films have shaped the way America sees its justice system. Serpico. Guilty as sin. The verdict. Power. Q&A. Network. The legendary filmmaker whose vision has inspired a generation. Sidney Lumet. Now, one of the world's most acclaimed directors takes you inside the courtroom once again. Andy Garcia, Richard Dreyfus. Night Falls on Manhattan. And people think he's like hot shit too, huh? I don't. He's the villain in the Oceans movies. Right. Uh, I think he came to prominence most from Untouchables, yeah. and I do like him in that. We we he's in that movie uh, Eight Million Ways to Die, and I he's really like him in that. In that. Yeah, and I think those one. are the two movies that I like him. I in. I mean, I don't love him in in lots of stuff, but I like him in other things. And this is a movie I think he's very good in. I think it's weird that he's cast as Ian Holmes' son, but okay. They do not seem like father. Uh, and yes, son. he was in Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> That's what you were thinking of. <laughs> there it is. That's the one. He's a huge movie star. Yeah. Uh, yeah, prove it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> didn't, wasn't he, isn't he the father in that new Father of the Bride? I don't, I don't know. know. I watched that. But I, I watched that when my ex-girlfriend had meningitis and she was delirious. <laughs> That's weird wow. day. Weird day. Emotional cop day for me that day. Uh, <laughs> so Meningitis, God yeah, damn. I know. We think she had meningitis. Anyway. <laughs> what? Well, there's no way to know without giving her a spinal tap, and she didn't want that. I'd give her a spinal tap. Okay. I got a spinal tap kit. Weird. It's, it's expensive as hell. I wanted to use it at some point. Okay. All right. Interesting digression there. <laughs> um, so, what's this movie about? Ian Holm is a cop, and his, he and his partner, James Gandolfini. <sighs> it's Ian Holm and James Gandolfini at the very beginning of this fucking movie. Baby Gandolfini. This is where I was like, here we go. And, and this uh, opening scene is crazy. And they're acting Great. on an informant tip, and they're going to go take down this drug dealer, Jordan Washington. Jordan Washington. Notorious drug dealer, Jordan Washington. Psychopath. But Jordan Washington gets the drop on them with a submachine gun, and he rips up Ian Holm. Oh, yeah. Jordan Washington has a has a look that is extremely hard to look at, yeah. uh, where he has a completely shaved head and then like a ponytail. Yeah, there's like braided ponytail. He has ponytail. a bunch uh, of braids at the very nape of There's plenty of neck. reasons to dislike this gentleman, but I think that's the, the pro- yeah. probably the main one. Yeah, it's, so it's Gan- tough to take. Gandolfini and Ian Holm are partners, and yeah, they're doing the stakeout, then they're they're going to go bust this guy, and, and Ian Holm gets 
blown away, basically, up. which it's sad because earlier Gandolfini's like, why don't you let me bust in the door first? Come yeah. on. Like, I'm bigger than you. Like, you know. And he's like, no, no, because I've been here longer. They're kind of going to back and forth. He's like, all right, I'll get the next one, you know. And then this one, he gets fucking shot. Shot up real bad. The movie even begins the exact same way as Q and A, where there's the precipitating event, and then the rest of the movie is the fallout from that. But in that first, but in Q and A, the precipitating event is very cut and dry. You see exactly what happened in this one. We sort of find out what this was all about gradually throughout the whole movie. Later, but like, why are these two cops just by themselves going up into this building and then like going to confront this? Drug dealer While guy. they're also saying that every every precinct is on like every corner of the block too is what they're saying. Yeah, uh, and similarly to Q and A, and I guess a lot of Lumet's movies, the violence in this is like super, scary, super Gnarly. fucking scary and yeah. realistic. Like this scene is this scene is really I, good. I knew I knew the guy was like getting ready to shoot through the door, but when it happened, I still was like, holy fuck, you yeah. know? Yeah. He, sh- he, blow- he shoots up Ian Holm, who does not die. I thought but, it was. But Ian, Holm, thought it was Ian, Holm, uh, Ian Holm shoots him, doesn't he? Or shoot? No, no. He, he, Jordan. They uh, shoot he gets at the away. door. They shoot at the door. They yeah. shoot the door first, and then like tenfold comes back. Yeah, yeah. And he, then he goes down. Jordan Washington climbs out the window, Dude, down the he scales climbs, the he building. He climbs through a million criminal. little nooks and crannies. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's we very see good. his escape. It lasts for a while. We see him. He has a bag of money. He keeps like dropping money everywhere. There's a funny scene where he, he's dropping money, and, and these like houseless. People are, are like, oh, wait, fucking, mo-. like, this guy's just running with a bunch of money. Yeah. He throws a bunch of money at the girl he was having sex with. <laughs> he, and he, he's just he, going he through, kinda, like, yeah, tunnels. He, he going through under this room where people are fooling around. He just throws money yeah. at them. Shut up. Shut up. Everybody goes under shut up. staircases, through little holes in the wall. He's just, like... He then has he a shoots plan. two cops and steals he, yeah. their squad and that's, car. That yeah, part's and then he gets too. the uniform too. Yeah, this whole opening scene is just sort of like anything can happen. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going yeah, on. He here. gets a cop uniform. He steals an unmanned police car. Everyone's like freaking out trying to find him, and he just slips away. He wins. Cut to Andy Garcia, who is a young assistant district attorney who used to be a cop. He's greenhorn. He's wet behind the ears. Much like Timothy Hutton. Sound familiar? Q and A. And in an in a ridiculous twist that I think is probably something that would never happen in real life, he gets appointed to prosecute Washington for shooting his father. I was Don't wondering that the, if that was like realist. Like, would I don't that think even it's happen? Realistic. Because no. then he also has to like cross examine his. Dad. Yes, I don't think that that's realistic, but we're, we're conflict making a of interest massive. But we're making a fucking movie here, so I'll allow it. But it's also weird because everything else seems so realistic and by the books that yeah. I don't know. That's, maybe there, maybe there Stuff is like a, maybe there up. is a weird loophole that make that it is you know. And, and they, I mean, clearly we're meant to believe that in some fashion or another, this is an appointment made for political reasons. And yeah, he's a, he's a, like we watch this movie and think that doesn't seem like something that you could ethically do. But from the guy who appoints its point of view, it's like this actually makes our case even better. Yeah, the guy's son is putting the thing on trial i'm like yeah. I, I don't know whatever because when and then jordan washington turns himself in right we'll, but, guess we'll get but, to that but we'll get to that but we need to talk about the guy who does oh, appoint Andy. God. his the district the attorney. character's name is morgie he, he wants Ron you to call him morgie fucking Liebman. he is so good in this he's the mvp he of is, the movie he's absolutely off the wall he's not incredibly famous he is a broadway legend and he's gangy's real life husband Jessica, yes, was married Jessica, to Jessica Walter. Was married to Jessica many, Walter, many but he originated the character of Roy Cohn in Angels of America, uh-huh. and and he even gets like a couple like he's basically you can see them casting in this because he's like a theatrical kind of yeah. guy. Oh yeah, he's, he's speechifying. He's very cartoonish. Yeah. he's very yeah theatrical. Much like Quinn in the last movie, he's an ambitious like uh, corrupt dude, mm-hmm. but like he 
you know, wills people to do what he wants through through the power of his charisma and the force of his personality. And and the, and this is what you want a theater guy for for this kind of There's stuff. There's a scene leaning where he's, into people where he's doing this kind of call to arms to everybody, where he stands on top of the desk or whatever. It's so good. His he's monologue so awesome. and he's like, so funny in it too. I was like, I was like ready to go, and I was like, I'm not even. This isn't even real. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what do you want me to do? Yeah, we're gonna get this cop. <laughs> we'll get this cop killing son of a bitch and argue with the ACLU later. We've had a fuck up of historic proportions. Uh, and at one point, like his a line that he makes, where he just sort of like you know this kind of character, and uh, when someone like you go, I'm gonna appoint Andy uh, Andy Garcia, the guy's son, to this position, and uh, Colm Fiore, who thinks that he's supposed to be the one that takes the trial, goes, "Are you kidding?" And he goes, "You can always tell when I make a joke. I'm the guy who laughs loudest." <laughs> You're like, this guy rules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, and he's in the movie a lot for like he disappears at a certain point and then comes back with a great little send off and stuff. Uh, I thought the supporting cast of this movie is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Dreyfus doing a kind Dreyfus. of a Dersh thing. He's he, he well I think he's doing a Dersh thing. I think he looks like Einstein. <laughs> he looks he's got Einstein's hair. He's got Einstein's. He looks like <clears throat> fucking Albert Einstein. He, he's he, really, he he's looks really like a man who just woke up from a hundred year nap. <laughs> and he's like and he's like you think you know where they're going with this character where he's the one representing Jordan Washington. Mm-hmm. And it's like this is the sleazy defense attorney who's like yeah. this is the bad part of the system who's and that like that gets weird too. No, it's not. Yeah, because he's doing this. He's doing. <clears throat> he's this. using this to expose the police brutality within the departments. Yeah, but we come to using, find out he doesn't give a fuck about. Yeah, Jordan he's Washington. using Washington as a kind of catalyst to expose all of yeah. this. So corruption. he's kind because of the his defense of the for, film. for Washington is they they don't dispute that he shot Casey. Yep. Uh, or killing the other two cops, but he says that they that he was acting in self defense because they were there to kill him, which yeah. is true. Which is turns out to be true. Yes, it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> it is not a lie. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Uh, but this is not convincing. This is why I liked this movie in the first half because, like, throughout the whole first half of the movie, I was just like, "What is what kind of movie is this?" Yeah, it's pretty unpredictable. And then when it kind of settles into what it actually is, uh, it lost me a little bit. Uh, but like they finished, they, they go. This thing goes to trial. You know, Dreyfus is set. Uh, Garcia is set. Garcia just wins. It's a cut and dry. He's case. not even that great. I really liked before the trial. There's this scene of the night before the trial where Andy Garcia is getting ready, mentally preparing for the trial, and he really wants to. You know, his dad's in the hospital. He wants to, he, or he's getting out of the hospital or whatever. He wants to impress his dad. This is like his lifelong dream or whatever. And it's just these scenes that it that kind of like quick cuts between like hours later. And it's him kind of pacing around his room, him like getting into bed, him like looking at himself in the mirror, like really psyching himself up. And I feel like there are a few moments like that in this movie where it kind of pauses on him and his like reflections of what this all means, mm-hmm. which kind of plays into what I said, how I think it should be more of like an epic of this, this guy's journey because I really liked those moments. Yeah. Sidney Lumet. He he manages to win the case because he undermines Washington's basically his credibility. Mm -hmm. And also everybody wants to railroad the guy. But all this stuff happens like well before the halfway mark of the movie. It's pretty fast. So you're just sort of like, And also that's where he meets Lena Olin, who is Dreyfus's assistant, and uh, he starts a relationship with her. Yeah, They're how long? Real hot stuff. What is the timeline of this movie, too? It because kind of rockets along, doesn't it? I think it? it's over a few years. Yeah. See, so that's what I thought, too. But then, like you said, it felt really condensed at the same yeah. time. I wanted it to be longer because I was like, it has to have been a few years because they're like living together. I don't know. Yeah. Their relationship kind of skyrockets. And this, that- is, this is some of the stuff I don't like in the movie because Jordan Washington <clears throat> is, de- is depicted as, as a pure, is purely evil. 
he's I, he's like a monster. And when he gets up, when they, when uh, Andy Garcia like puts him on trial, like Dreyfus is making his point, like he was just a self defense or whatever. They put Jordan Peter uh, Jordan Peterson oh, Jordan boy. Washington on the stand, and he's going like, "So you killed these cops." Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, he does. I loved yeah. it. Ooh, I wanted I, uh, to drink their blood. I'm a monster. I thought that worked because I think what you're seeing is a guy who knows he's getting railroaded. Yeah. Whether or not he's good or bad, he's just like. He's like, oh, this is the villain you want me to be. Yeah, then I'll fucking do it. You know, if this is, if And then this I'll is literally Kool-Aid man through the fucking stadium, the, yeah. the fucking podium. But this Unbelievable. Is, but this is so weird, like what sets him off. Because this this is what you don't want to do when you're on trial. He really he really pulls, pulls a boner here, I got to say. <laughs> Because uh, like he's on trial for his life for yeah. for the murder of or the attempted murder no the murder of the murder of cops. two police officers and the attempted murder of a third and and so and so and Andy Garcia is baiting him he's not really falling for it he's like did you kill them and you liked it and he's like yeah yeah sure and then he yeah. goes let me ask you something yes yes he goes yes yes he says let me ask you something this is Andy Garcia did any of the blood get on your tidy white sneakers and he goes motherfucker like this really sets him <laughs> off he goes motherfucker and he knocks just, over the whole stand he doesn't even knock it over he like he like <laughs> kicks and punches like through it it's he, insane he like punches, punches the whole court and then everybody has to drag him down. And he's like, "Well," and then everybody's like giving him, giving Andy Garcia the thumbs up, like, "Well, we won," and indeed he did. <laughs> he's and then it's like, yeah. now he's gonna, now he needs to run for now. Yeah, he is the star now. He's Morgie has a heart attack. The boy king. Yes, Morgie has a heart attack and dies. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't die because we do see him later. But he is. But he, he can't, almost. But he dies. can't. He can't he, run for very close DA anymore or yeah. assistant DA or whatever. <laughs> the next, he's, the he's next time we see him is in a wheelchair with a blanket wrapped around him, and he can barely move. Yeah. Somehow, somehow, the the the, the city is convinced to elect Andy Garcia district attorney over Tom <laughs> they're, they're literally like. I got a crazy idea. Let's just, <laughs> they're like, who wants to just do this guy? And we'll vote by hearing the amount of applause. <laughs> Colm Fiore's also kind of playing his character as like a, as like a excessively a prick, I feel yeah. like. Oh, also like the, ju- straw man the judge in the trial is Uncle June. Uncle June. We yes, Uncle June is ju- judging the trial. He's I re- great. I really like this. Morgie has a heart attack, and then they're like, who are we going to get to be the district attorney? How about this Andy Garcia kid? Cut to the debate between Andy Garcia and Colm Fiore. I think we are not doing enough about crime. I think you are not doing too much enough about crime. A round of applause. Andy Garcia wins the election. He is the district attorney now. This is stupid. Yeah. This is the, so yeah, I thought it goes, was very I thought it was very much in the vein of something that you would see in a 40s film. Like yeah. we, the the plot needs to advance to this point. Okay, now he's in an even tougher ethical situation should something go wrong, which of course it will. We need to get to that point. A Colm Fiore who has like a blue blood prick uh, accent. Yeah. He's like, I happen to know that Andy Garcia's having <laughs> an affair with a woman uh, who works for Richard Dreyfus, And everybody's like, boo. <laughs> and then Andy Garcia goes, all everyone will be equal before the law. And they go, yay. And they give him a standing ovation. They're like, he's in with a landslide. And you're like, oh, okay. It's good stuff, man. It's good melodrama. It's, I guess. He gets a standing ovation at the debate? <laughs> What you know? Again, we're For saying uh, we're justice? making we're making a melodrama justice. here, which it's it's not any more or less unrealistic than him getting assigned to the case in the first place. It, That's it, true. It functions in exactly the same way as a device. We are telling a melodrama. We need these. We need these sort of narrative shortcuts in order to tell the story we're telling. Yeah, and I think that that's perfectly acceptable. 
Well, what I tell you, one thing that I find incredibly acceptable is that Mike Novick is in this movie. Ah, oh, Mike Novick. Jude Chicolella. I love Mike Novick. Jude Chicolella, that's what a great name. Yeah. Uh, but he's famously Mike Novick from uh, 24. And this is a character actor guy who does one thing, but like the hedgehog, he does it very well. Uh, he just has this like this this self-contained gravitas. I love I love the in this clipped speech. I love the way Good that he stuff. talks. Um, but he's in the and this and this is kind of like some of the naive shit that you see in movies like this, where like this movie's pretty cynical, being pretty realistic about police corruption. But he's playing an internal affairs guy who's like, I am really trying to take down dirty cops, which mm-hmm. we know now, not a thing. Like they yeah, work for the internal really affairs about our, the dirty our police officers. Yeah. Like he's going like, no, I'm trying to find justice here, and it's like not that's not what they do. Um, but in the in the context of this movie that fancies itself a, a, a bit cynical, uh, he is in fact trying to take down this uh, mm-hmm. quite the network of dirty, yeah. <laughs> quite the network of dirty cops. Yeah, um, and he's <laughs> working with Andy Garcia, and this is this is pretty neat where Andy Garcia is now in this position of power and prominence. And uh, this whole trial that we saw at the beginning is still weighing heavily on everything that happens afterwards because he keeps finding out information yep. about Gandolfini in particular, well, about his he's, father. He's, tra- he's trying desperately not to be a dirty cop, and it's just it's kind of like the hopelessness of the situation. Yeah. Well, the next thing that happens, well, we we sort of skipped ahead a little bit. One thing that ha- we forgot about was he has like a really uh, intimate talk with Vigoda, Richard Dreyfus, and Richard Dreyfus is like, look. I did this because I'm trying to expose corruption. And the the reason I'm trying to expose corruption is because my 15-year-old daughter died of a drug overdose, and this is really important to me. He he has a catch in his throat when he's doing this, too. Richard Dreyfuss is quite good. He's good in this. And then then after uh, Andy Garcia is elected as the district attorney, they find Kleinhoff's body. Kleinhoff is the guy who was running the corruption ring like... That Jordan Washington was a bag man for all of this stuff. Dreyfus keeps oh, yeah. saying the he name Kleinhoff during the trial. They know who Kleinhoff is. Everybody's like, "No, I ain't never heard no Kleinhoff." And then he never falls. He's like, "Okay." Good. Ian, good Ian Holm is like, "I ain't never heard no fucking Kleinhoff." Ian Holm's New York accent in this is it's pretty good. I wouldn't. I don't know if it's realistic. It's not for me to say. I love it's it. just magnificent. It's fantastic. I will say this: at the very least, he does not sound like an Englishman doing a New York accent. No, no, I really and I really like his uh, his like retired Catholic cop energy. Man, he is fucking <laughs> yes, chewing uh, it up. In this I movie. think Ian Holm is the number two MVP uh, in this. He's very this good. He, he's he's just really swinging for the fences. Yeah. He's acting his balls off in this. But they find they find Kleinhoff's decomposed body in the river. Somebody tossed him in, and uh, on his body is like a little black book, mm-hmm. and it has the names of a bunch of cops. Doity cops. Mm, got the names of all the people that Brittany Murphy slept Doity with. Doity cops. <laughs> and they were all they're all officers Emily from gets these. It. I, I nice. wasn't even listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> they they uh, they all come from the same precincts that responded to the initial call. Yes, and one of the names is James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. good. Yep. And uh, James and Gandolfini, ten years. Is it ten years after someone to watch uh, watch over me? No, Stranger Among Us. The, that was the Lou Met film that practically introduced the world to James Gandolfini. This is '96, and that was what '92. Oh shit! Like just like four years afterwards. Yeah. He's so much. He's well, already so you. much better as an actor than he was in that movie. Like he's come a long yeah. way. Well, he True Romance happened, too. and True Romance. He'd been he'd been like stealing the show in a lot of like uh, in a lot of great movies, and in this one, he's got a pretty big role. Well, when did The Sopranos debut? Ninety eight, ninety nine. I, I want to say ninety nine. Uh, like no, it must have been earlier than that. Well, we got we to look. We, this is a thing that we got to get right, for God's sakes. For God's sakes. 
But like, keep talking while while I look it up. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of James Gandolfini, Sean, that's uh, Andy Garcia's character. He confronts ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay. Uh, he confronts uh, Gandolfini. Gandolfini. They like meet out by the docks or something like that, and Gandolfini gives him a big hug, and he kind of like feels he like yeah, feels it, feels subtle. it, and. Uh, He's like, oh, I'm not man. wearing a wire. He's like, I know like, you're not wearing a wire. Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't do that to you. Because, I mean, you kind of get the impression that because it's his father's partner, he's kind of been like family to him. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And so he's like, you know, I wouldn't wear a wire, but I got to ask you, why is your name in that book and everything? And, and Gandolfini is like, my name's in that book. Yes, I know. I know who Kleinfield is. I didn't say it on the stand. I lied. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't do, I corrupt, didn't do it. Like, whatever. I didn't do corrupt stuff, but I thought about it. Yeah, he's like, The guy he, was he like, you want to do corrupt me. stuff? And I was like, maybe, he, but I decided yeah. not to. He approached me, and I talked to your dad, and I, we, did, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We your didn't end up doing it. definitely didn't do any corrupt but stuff. But I was definitely sure. not going to say I knew Kleinfield on the stand. You know, yeah. like, he's like, come on. Like, what are you going to do? Report? Come on. He's like, are you, you going to report me? You know, come I on. I love you. I love you. Come on. What are we doing here? What's the matter with you? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like doing the whole like punch his shoulder, do a little like <laughs> shimmy thing that he does. Uh, it's another, then, another big guy like manhandling a smaller guy yeah. and trying to exert his will on him. And then but his, this way, much friendlier. Then his dad confesses to forging the judge's signature on the warrant. Because it was expired by a day. Yeah. Which is like, hey, that's that's <laughs> only a little bit corrupt. Yeah, that's, that's but they, like a, but they keep that's on an acceptable like, amount of corruption. They, they keep, keep on, on nudging like the line. seeding the truth with these like half lies yeah. as they sort We're of build. moving the goalposts slightly. Because James Gandolfini is like, yeah, if you take an inch, you're gonna take a mile. I thought about doing corruption, and then a little bit later, he's like, I did a little, you know, I took twenty dollars, I took a burger here and there, and then later on, he's like, I work for the fucking mob or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I killed a bunch of people. Well, they all sit down for dinner at. At uh, Ian Holmes' house, it's a real set piece scene right here. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, they're all sitting down, and and Gandolfini and Ian Holmes are like, "All right, we have something to talk to you about." <laughs> and it's like it's so weird because they're all like all guilty, like, "Oh," can you? and it's basically them being like, "Can you just like not report us?" Because like we kind of did a little corruption. I never Ian Holmes like I never did, but he did, and I'm his partner, and so I just didn't say anything. <laughs> for massive corruption. For massive corruption. So, for yeah. massive. Cor this is so funny because James Gandolfini's doing this kind of like. Ain't I a stinker? Andy sort so of, mad too. He goes, "Hey, look, I'll be honest with you, I I kind of got my hand caught in a cookie jar." And he's like, "What cookie? <laughs> what do you jar? mean by that? I, I killed a bunch of people <laughs> for corruption reasons. By by which I mean I tried to kill people or did kill people for corruption." Uh, and this scene goes on for quite a long time because it's just yeah, but they, like, they were all bad, but they were all bad. Andy Garcia is so fucking like heartbroken and mad and he's just like he's just like berating james gandolfini being like you were i don't know if you have any of the lines but like you're just a piece of shit basically this, you're this not a good cop like you used to be a cop now you're garbage yeah this is andy garcia's best moment in the whole movie and i thought this was really great where uh and it's and it's true because you you as a, a viewer want to shout this at james gandolfini because he keeps on like throughout the whole movie he's going like hey what do you want from me you know, a little thing here there but then at a certain point he's like yeah i wanted we had wanted to kill these guys to collect money to because we were of getting paid by drug dealers uh, yeah. because that's what because we're wildly corrupt. But then, the, but then he goes. But then these rat fucks, these cops, these rat fucks are trying to like sell me out. Oh, and then Andy Garcia like just like fucks. has had enough. <laughs> and he goes like, "So you're killing people because you're on the take from the mafia people. You're trying to get me. You're trying to flip yourself so you can save your own ass. And you have the nerve to call them rat fucks." And then he goes, oh, "Yeah, he was gonna name names in the in the department." Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "I hope some." 
crazy junkie takes you out in an alley some shit. Jeez. And and keep in mind, this is like a, a this is like close his uncle, family. You know yeah, what I mean? his uncle, basically. Yeah, and this is great. And this his... is like that scene where Nick Nolte's face falls, yeah. and James Gandolfini is like, you see him kind of go like from being like to like. And Ian Holm, oh, and no, and I, I love, but I love how Gandolfini reacts to this though, because Ian Holm tries to get in between, and Gandolfini's like, okay, no, I'm I'm gonna leave. I don't want to. I'm I'm your partner, yeah, but he's your son, he's and your I don't son. I don't want to like mess up things between you guys. Yeah, and very respectfully, and then he kind of bows out, and uh, Ian Holmes, you you have Ian Holmes just kind of like real small, like just. After, your mother like, will here. Make her get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, we're we're in a we in a lot of trouble here. I know what she's gonna do. The, 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 the one thing that this scene miss, is missing for me is when he's screaming at Gandolfini, or Gandolfini is like, you know, basically baiting him and saying, like, all this shit to him, that Andy Garcia doesn't, he's not biting his thumb. Because <laughs> he does that so much in Godfather 3, and I love it. Every single time. You want to kill him? I also so have to good. say, to, to Lumet's credit, too, I, he says this whole thing where he fully blows up at James Gandolfini. He's standing, Holman Gandolfini, you're sitting, and he goes like, I hope a fucking junkie takes you out in an alley somewhere. And then it just goes on, and it's, like, awkward. And they're like, <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I'm like, that's So, my, that's so uh, who wants uh, more turkey and cranberry sauce? <laughs> I guess you're done there, so could it, maybe I'll go to the bathroom and then leave, I suppose. I, uh, you guys have a good one. <laughs> They really just sit in it. It's I'm gonna wild. go have some uh, gabagool. You guys want any? <laughs> and then, and then it's uh, Ian Holmes. This this scene in the in the living room goes on for a long time. Yeah. It's Ian Holmes' time to really act his his little balls off. <laughs> his <And> then, little <laughs> balls. And I love the way that they, they, their their la- their language keeps shifting. Like they keep on kind of like slowly the the truth sort of like seeping into yeah. what they're saying and he's like he's like at a certain point he just breaks down and is like you know how much those fucking drug dealers was paying us son $600,000 that's so much money so much. who could resist $600,000 I'll tell you I'll tell you who I'll tell you who okay so there's some corrupt there's some corrupt cops on the force but I'll tell you who could resist $600,000 27,000 other cops on the force that's who well, maybe it's twenty six or twenty five. Maybe it's twenty thousand. <laughs> he just starts keep talking himself down to like how many non corrupt police officers are on the force. Wait a minute, there's Stevie, there's Bobby, there's Jimmy, there's Frankie, there's Tommy. I, it's kind of like eight. I could count. There's Robbie, like, he has epilepsy. Maybe four. Fingy, Fingy was definitely on the take. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Polly, Polly was definitely on the uh, take. It's pretty hardcore. Polly Senior and Polly Junior. <laughs> they would definitely take it. Sad stuff. Uh, and then things get like weirdly complex, where a lot a lot has to do with this warrant that Ian Holm yeah. has. Yeah, that there's a Xerox copy of. They can't find the original. Then they do find the original. But then Peggy finds the original. Yeah, basically. She, but yes. she loves him too much, uh, so she gives it back. And and Timothy or Timothy, Andy Garcia is basically at this point. He's like, I can't put my father in prison. Like I don't want to. I can't. So do now it. I'm corrupt. So I guess now I'm corrupt. Am. And he shreds the document. And, and Ian, then he gets Ian a phone Holm, call. Ian Holm has decided. Yeah, Ian Holm has decided that he does not want to put his son. He doesn't want to his his son to have to make this choice. So he confesses to Uncle June. Uncle June. And also, oh, Gandolfini has shot himself at this point. And That's James sad. Gandolfini's crying in his car, and he blows his brains out. Very sad. I'd feel really bad if I was Andy Garcia. <laughs> I well, thought clearly he does feel quite bad at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, this is like, again more wrenching Lumet stuff. Yeah, and so yeah, he he shreds the actual bad warrant, the forged warrant. 
that would have proven that his father did this, was guilty, was corrupt. At this exact moment. And then he gets a phone call from Judge Uncle Jr., who was like, I am looking at this warrant here, and it is... A-OK squared as, away. As he's, as he's writing a new warrant. It. What was the day of that thing? It was this day? Oh, OK. I, the judge, am also crooked as the day is long because this is how it works. We don't put good cops behind bars. And at yeah. this point, Andy Garcia is just kind of defeated. Mm-hmm. He's There's no way out. Every Everything's going down the drain of corruption, so you might yep. as well just let it wash over you. And we get another scene of Andy Garcia and uh, and Dick Dreyfus in, mm-hmm. the, in the steam room. And Dick Dreyfus... Dick Dreyfus is going like, I'll be honest with you, if you gave me that warrant, you know, and if he, if he gave him the warrant, it would exonerate mm-hmm. um, his client, the, the the sinister Mr. Washington. He's like, if you gave me that warrant, I wouldn't have used it because yeah. uh, I think that that animal belongs on the streets or <laughs> does not belong on the streets. <laughs> I was, just I was trying doing to this the to cops. expose the corrupt cops, but like this is how it works. You make deal after deal after deal and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And it's uh, like law, the best you can do with law is make Sickling, sickening compromises, and that's the, that's all we can do. So it's kind of cynical, but yeah. in a way, it's also kind of like at at um, at peace with it. And it, well, at the end of the movie, he's get he's giving the speech to a new round of potential ADAs that he got. It's a it's a book at the beginning of the movie when he was from Mr. McGovern, yes, an actor that uh, that we would recognize. Yeah, but he does it himself, and he but gives now, the speech. Yeah, Mr. McGovern McGovern starts his speech, and you think he's going to say the th- same thing, and then Andy Garcia goes, "I'll take over for a moment here," and then he and then he kind of basically like says everything that he's learned. Yeah, it's pretty. Pat. It's really wrenching, though. It's like it's very sad, and then and then you're left with nothing. You're left. You're left with. Like, you're left with. Well, that's how it is. That's how it is. Is this the best we can do? Jesus. But I think it's also I think it's less bleak than Q and A, where it really is just sort of like, but it is the best we can do, and we did yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I guess there's a little bit more hope here, but uh, only only in the sense that this one this movie suggests that there is some kind of profit in your idealism. Yeah, um, but there is but there's a line and actually the most astonishing line in the entire movie. Uh, it only has to do with uh, how how dated it is. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a crucial scene. It's the, the first time that he, him and Richard Dreyfus are, are meeting in the steam room, and he's and he's going, "You're gonna have to make deals." Uh, in this job, it's deal after deal after Jaws. deal. I was in Jaws. And then he goes, <laughs> but, but Richard Dreyfus goes, that's what the job is, deal after deal after deal. And then Andy Garcia goes, that's not why I became a lawyer. And you're like, that's what that's really? what being a lawyer is, my man. <laughs> what do you think a fucking lawyer is? It's making deals. He went to Hollywood but, but, Upstairs Law School, too. But then, astonishingly, like after this, Richard Dreyfus says, <laughs> you want clean hands? Become, become a, a priest. priest. Yep. Mm. And you go, oh, Ooh. fuck. Yeah, because those guys are notoriously. <laughs> yeah. Nothing cleaner than a priest. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. <laughs> boy, this is 96. Mm. Uh, dear God. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Um, Beautiful and terrible. I loved this movie. I like parts God, of it. I thought lots of it was very stupid. Uh, oh, this is, uh, this is a scene. <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, I don't think any of the relationship between Lena Olin and Andy. I just don't like Andy Garcia. It was too, I feel like it was too rushed their relationship to make it believable. It's I feel weird. I feel like it was interesting as a counterpoint. Like Andy Garcia is feeling his li- like his life come together in the in exactly the way that he wants. He has this job that he always thought he would be good at. He, he even this- says like, "Is is this what it's like? Is it going to keep getting better forever?" And she's like, "I don't think it will." Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "From my experience, no." <laughs> and like at least at least there isn't a, a part where like uh, she's like you have become as bad as them i'm leaving you like it doesn't go there yeah but uh but it's just like 
everything that's good about that, like he's just that's what he's got to hold on to. You know, it's 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 hard. You got it, Mr. D.A. <laughs> uh, but there's a part in it uh, where, where he first, well, he's not like he met her, but they're at a party after the the, the initial oh, trial and like after the first half. And he's pretty drunk. He's mm-hmm. fucking And hammered. she goes up to like talk to him and he's like, I'm cl- he's basically leaning in to like kiss her and stuff like that. And she she's cleans like, his tie. She's like, all right. She cleans his, like, this glove, yeah. this disgusting glove of mayonnaise off his tie. And then he's kind of like, I'm clearly interested in fuck you. And she goes, <laughs> uh, and she kind of like looks at him and goes, you're a pretty good looking guy. And he, she goes. I don't know. Can you make it erect? <laughs> yeah, and then the scene. No, she goes. I don't know if you can make it erect. And he goes. I think I can. And then the scene. Ends. And then they fuck. <laughs> I can't believe she said fact that. Stuff. I don't know if you can make it erect. <laughs> I I I like. See the the thing I like about that bit is not the line. It's the look on his face. When he says, I think, I'm pretty sure I can. He's just like, yeah, I, I can't. Don't worry about that. I got this under control. Yeah. He's good. Here's some more of that Lumet uh, brand of reactionary stuff. This is Dreyfus, who's kind of the moral core of the movie. I feel like we just have to give up on an entire generation, lock him up, and throw away the key. Wow. Because everything's so fucked. Imagine, imagine that guy watching his TikTok videos. <laughs> <laughs> what is even going on here? Uh, uh, what did we say that actor that we liked? Uh, Rob Liebman. Yeah. Ron uh, Liebman. Ron Liebman. Ron. 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 Ron Liebman. It says Rob in my nose, but who knows? It is That is incorrect. It is Ron. Uh, he is, um, we, he comes back later in the movie at one point, and it's Andy, and it's this great scene, of course, because he's in it, and now he's he's had a heart attack, and he's like on the on this porch by the beach, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, covered he's on just blanket. has a blanket. He, he's, he looks like he might as well. Oh, he's God, yeah, this scene is really dead. good. And it's really great and wrenching stuff, but I, I loved it that it just ends on this really theatrical note. It's mm. almost the way like a scene in a in a play would end, where like Andy goes, he says some like pretty he uh, thanks some him. Cynical stuff. But he basically some really thanks nice him stuff. for having a heart attack so that he can become the DA, basically. <laughs> yeah, and he goes like, "Get out of here before I start, you know, before I start, you know, feeling things or whatever." And, and he, like, then you see, he walks away, and you see the shot of him going like, trying getting choked to, up yeah. and crying, and then like the, the lights go down. That was really good. I like the part where he asks where Ron Lehman is like, why'd you want to become a lawyer, son? And Andy Garcia goes, because I can sing. (laughs) (laughs) I can sing. Uh, But yeah, uh, ratings. Uh, Four Judds, indeed. Um, I just, I've always really enjoyed this one. I think it's really just spectacular melodrama. It's just really, really well executed. I like, I like it's, uh, I like it's almost Desperate moral certitude, you know what I mean? Like it's begging for for something good, you know what I mean? It's like the the like the idealism is so so touching almost in the fact that it fails. Um, and no Douglases really. I mean, like, can you get it erect? Eh, I mean, that's not much. I don't feel like that's anything. Um, maybe maybe for maybe like a like a quarter of a Douglas for Jordan Washington and at the beginning of the movie where he's with that with the naked chick. Uh, but not really. No. Oh, Lily's mad. Uh, and We're I'm so close, Lily. Come on. I'm gonna give it. Uh, what am I gonna give it? Oh, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Uh, ten out of ten. Ron Lehman ordering everybody Chinese takeout. <laughs> yeah. uh, sending out for sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, yelling right. at people on the phone for food. Yeah. He's I quite the powerhouse in this. He's great. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, I'm going to give it three. 
I do think it's on the whole a good movie, but it really lost me in that second half. I found it, found it pretty boring. I mean, it doesn't help that the lead actor is just not a guy that I like very well. And I don't think he like really rises. He's I don't think he's bad in this, but he's just a, a real passive, bland character, and, and he's the main character of the movie. I don't think Lena Olin brings much to her role. Uh, and then I think parts of it are pretty stupid, uh, like a lot of the little details when you're making a movie like this that's about how fucked all the justice system is. You kind of want to get some of these details right, and it feels like the, the, the finger's on the scale a little bit. So it comes across some of it comes across as in, insincere. But still, Sidney Lumet knows how to make a movie, and it's got a great cast, and it's got, it's got Ron Liebman. Mm. And, uh, and Dick, uh, you know, Dick Dreyfus is not always great, but when he's good, I quite enjoy his, quite enjoy his work. God help me. Uh, uh, well, I guess I'll give it a half for possibly just whatever extraneous Douglases there might be in here. And I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 Gandolfini hands in the cookie jar. Oh, that's great. Yes. I'm going to give it three and a half. I was going to give it four, but then we talked about it a little more. And I do think that the pacing is a little bit off in this. And it could have been, it could have been a lot better. But I really did enjoy the story and I really liked a lot of the courtroom stuff and just the kind of fatalism of it all. Um, I'm going to give it zero Douglases because nothing, because I'm not a fucking prude. <laughs> um, and I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 Jordan Washington haircuts. Hmm. Okay. Nice work. We did it. Blue Met Gala, everyone. We've done it. And what are we doing next time? We've got two shows left in the year. And the next one is going to be uh, an, one of our favorite actors who's going to get a, another turn in the spotlight. And we're going to do three Kurt Russell movies. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Which ones are we going to do again? Backdraft. Backdraft. Oh, That's yeah. the middle one, I think. Oh, I, I didn't write these in Crony. No Crony Tequila Sunrise. Tequila Sunrise. The Bloodshot Eyes. Backdraft. And oh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Oh, Unless we can come up with something better, <laughs> <laughs> we've done so much. We've done so much Kurt Russell, so we're almost out of. But we wanted, we yeah, wanted we went Kurt through to get his, to get his own episode. We've done a lot. Yeah. I'm all out of. Uh, so look forward to the Kurt Locker or whatever it is we choose to call it. I'm, I'm excited about <laughs> uh, the first two at any rate. Three, I'm excited. Three thousand miles of Graceland is one of the worst movies you'll ever see. I'm excited that we have so many title options left over from our bird, <laughs> our bird episode, yep. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be returning uh, to those fields before the end of the year as well. Yay. Yes, we will. Yeah. Lots to look forward to. Join our Patreon for under $5 a month for all the extra, the bone bone content. So much stuff coming up. Uh, we got our 100th Patreon episode coming up. Oh We've my got gosh. a couple. We haven't decided exactly what ones, but we got a couple options that were, that Some were bangers. going to be real. <laughs> the next two that we're going to record are going to be, be something. <laughs> It's going to be great, so sign on to that. And even if you don't have time to listen to the episodes, that's the way that you can support us financially, and we would really appreciate it. We're all just barely scraping by here. We're destitute, living hand-to-mouth. Actually. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. Oh. Uh, rate us. Rate us, please. Five stars only, please. Five stars only, please. Why would you hundred stars only, that? please. Mm. Yes. Just try to break it. Uh, follow us <laughs> on uh, Instagram. I'm not even going to say the other one anymore because fuck that. I know. Mm. I'll probably stay up on there for a little while, but that's pretty pretty. Speaking of hotbeds of bigotry and yeah, racism. Yeah, fuck that <laughs> shit. Yeah, follow uh, us on all the things and, and sh- 
show us. I think your we're all practice some self care when you're using the blue sky. Get on the video thing. Yeah, blue right? sky's like on. Can you not own. upload a video on blue sky? You can't There's a videos. lot of functionality that's not available. Blue sky's on blue taking sky. their fucking time, get, yeah. but I do like it kind of almost. It's very quiet <laughs> I keep, around. I keep those forgetting parts. that I have it, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm like, oh, should I post something? I have, there's moments where I'm on Blue Sky and I'm like, it's ha- almost, it's happening. And then the next day, like, the, nobody will post anything. And you're yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so maybe. We'll get on time. it, guys. We'll be patient. And until, we need something. Until next time, don't double cross the ones you love. <laughs> don't even think about it. A metal shark hmm. <laughs> cuts through the night. Enjoy the song, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. A metal shark cuts into the night. Spilling the colors of the neon lights But for the hitman is driving with his crew The baddest boys, all born and raised in Barrio True They're looking for a man named Sweet Tyrone Trust the street.